Welcome to Moralia Python Radio with your hosts, Eric Burke and Owen McIntyre. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Moralia Python Radio. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking ring pythons uh, and uh, much more, uh, but we will get to that in a second. Right now we have some cool things that are happening in reptiles right now. I have to give a shout out to Chuck Poland. He hatched out Halma Harris in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, Isn't that, that's like the third clutch of these things this season, right? Second this season. Okay. Third, because Blake did it last year in the zoo, oh, that, Oklahoma that was Zoo. La- that was last year? Yeah, yeah. Why does that seem so, like, why does it, it didn't seem that long ago, but all right. Yeah, so I, I know because we were, I was in Brisbane when. Uh, me, me, me. No, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when it happened. And, um, yeah, it's the second. Um, in the world, but the first in the U.S. So, yeah, I have some thoughts on uh, on um, the Helen Harris. Chuck has been working with him for, um, you know, God, it seems like eight to ten years. Uh, he's mm-hmm. been working with a group of them, and um, I think that's that might be all he's working with. But it just goes back to my thought that, like, with these hard-to-breed species um, of pythons or just reptiles in general, um, it's just that consistent day-to-day same, you know, setting up. Um, you know, consistency with them, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's, uh, you know, their cycles and their temperature and their feeding and the lights and all that kind of stuff. And I think, I think you see success with, you know, guys like Chuck and Ryan and Nick and, you know, all these people that are breeding, you know, harder to breed species um, just because, you know, Frederick of Bowens and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, because they're working with a smaller group of animals and they're not moving them around. You know, I call it the curse of the scrub python is, you know, we're all guilty, <laughs> guilty of it, you know. Oh, exactly. And it's a clock. And it's and – and I've said this before. You may get lucky and get an adult animal and try to breed it and it might work. And it could be a rare species. You might get lucky once. But in my mind, for you to breed it, you need to be either consistent, like, you know, you might run into it once, and then that animal may may never, ever breed for you again. Yes. It's the animals that are kept in the same place, on the same rotation, on the same light cycles, um, offered the same, almost almost same amount of prey, um, and the ones that are even raised in these systems from babies are the ones that have the greatest success. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that's I think why it's like I I want to get more white lips, but I want to get them teeny tiny. I want little guys, and I don't care if it takes me seven, eight, nine, ten more years to do it. I it's slow grow. We'll we'll get there. It'll be fine. <laughs> yes. I don't want to breed things anyway. Look at my rough scales. It's like you know, no, I don't want to put them together. It's like yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's who cares? I have who them. cares? Who cares about anybody else? People. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, but that's cool, man. So, congrats go out to him for uh, for hitting that. And um, you know, I know that uh, a lot of people were, you know, like Chris. He's got a big group of them, doesn't he? Doesn't he have a pretty decent? I, I can neither confirm nor deny the amount of Kalma Harris scrub pythons between Chris <laughs> and Dave Means. Know that it is above five, below twenty. Right. So, <laughs> <it's>... <laughs> okay. 
There you go. Right. <laughs> you know, you have multiple things going on with them at one time. I mean, for one, they're one of those species that are very uh, secretive. They seem to be very shy. Um, Dude, and they you've just had... drop dead. <laughs> Exactly. Let's say you've had more experience than I have with Helma Harris. I won't touch them. Yeah. You're like, you had that one for a while. Yeah, I had that one female for, for quite a long time. And even her, um, I don't I don't know what happened. Just Dude. all of a sudden she, uh-uh. she stopped feeding and then boom, it was just like I could never get her back to where she was. Um, I, there's a joy that I have right now with large colubrid. Is that no matter what, they will eat. <laughs> like it's just like it's one of those, <laughs> it's one of those deep refreshing things. Having come from like fighting with a green tree python, or right. you know, trying to get baby carpets to food. Like you know, it, if I don't move my hands fast enough to get my get my, get out of the way of my Kribo, I'm going to get bit. Like yeah. they're going to try. Right. And it's just something inherently awesome about that because I'm like, here's food. They're like, cool. Thank you. And I'm like, you, you are welcome. Right. It's like, yeah, it's that, that was uh, that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> no, no crazy scenting or Exa- you know, no, just chick dro- down, drop yeah. the plate in and run, right. run screaming. It's like, yeah, no. Uh, um, yeah. And I'm starting to get the blue beauties to act the same way. And I'm like, I'm training you to be a holes. I don't know if this is OK. Right. But yeah. There but yeah, there's something inherently awesome about that, especially if you come from like scrubs. I mean, who? Yeah. It, when, when a scrub's on point, when it's done correctly, they're phenomenal bulletproof animals. But when something is off, they show it. And it, 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 it more power to Chuck and everybody out there who's working with them because I, I don't have the patience for it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see if they now lose sort of their luster. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> let um let's see what happens because again this is still the oh my god they've only been produced by several people or very few so um hope it, it, it's going to be people are going to want to be the next guy or the guy who gets a bunch or the guy who can breed them and swap with chuck or establish the wild or the captive born and bred populations they won't really lose their sheen sure i don't think until it's like welcome to the hamburg reptile show here's your here here's your complimentary helmahera oh thank you like that's <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah they're they're a cool looking snake and for sure they i mean are. i know it's like kind of like uh you know i would think that your average herper going into a to a herp show probably w- wouldn't notice it from a picture but i think if you see them in person they kind of have a very distinct look it seems like there's just there's dark ones and then there's light ones so i don't know if that's a locale thing you know different parts of the island who knows but uh, it probably is but we don't no one's ever going to do no one's done the science on it to prove it out sure but you know i also like that they have gorgeous eyes um they're kind of a stony gray color yep um and and they look phenomenal and i would love to see one that it hasn't been jacked up by the wild. It's like, I haven't, I haven't seen one that's like perfectly pristine. And I'm like, that'd be cool to see. It's right. like, you know, uh, most of the ones I've seen at least have some nose rub scar or some uh, obvious sign that it was not, you know, born in captivity. So it'd be really cool to see these things as they grow up. So, right. and yeah. uh, Rob gets some vindication because they were not born red. I know that uh, back in the day, 
that was something that he sort of you know stood by and a lot of people gave him shit about it and uh turns out that he was right that they're not born red so i wonder why because this is weird that you know most other scrubs come out red but they yeah don't, but they don't well, they, doesn't that just further the proof? Mm, careful, Owen. <laughs> it's like a, <laughs> easy, easy. <laughs> doesn't that just further prove that most scrubs are all the same, except maybe for King Horn Eye and Helma Hera? Ooh, I know. Um... <laughs> if they all come, if. if if all scrubs come out red babies, except for like, what Halmahera, doesn't that automatically? Wouldn't that show you that maybe there's some sort of difference, like difference here? I mean, well, we, we, let's 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 call a spade a spade here. The localities of scrub are just like the locality of Condro. You have no goddamn idea. Correct. It's it's what was written on the bag, the box, yeah. or the airport slip, yeah. and that's it. So. I would not be surprised if somebody came out and said, by the way, uh, uh, Sarong, Jayapura, Highlands, all these things, they're all the same. It'd be like, makes sense. <laughs> like, you know, that, that, all right. So my, my thinking is this, is that okay. I think the northern population uh, uh-huh. is a separate species. I think the southern population is another species. And I would venture to what the one that really kind of baffles me is that Tannenbars, which are the yes. smallest group, yes. are most closely related <laughs> to King Horneye, yes. which is the largest. Well, so, mm, it, that, I don't know. That doesn't really surprise me because the genetic level of the closest relative to an elephant is a rock hyrax, which is elephant rat. Well, like, you know, that's how that works. Yeah, I get yeah. Like that. But it, it, it's one of those things where um, it, it doesn't really surprise me, but it does, I would say that the northerns are different, the southerns are different. I, I want to say Tenenbaum is completely on its other tangent, just because of how small it gets. But it might be on its way to doing that, but has not drifted far enough. Yeah, and then there's the different populations just in Australia. Um, mm. You know, there's the the you know the the southern and the northern are kind of uh, well, we not we officially, had, but well, <laughs> I would say we just had we just had Scott come on and tell us that all carpets are variegata, and it was like oh. Oh, yeah. I want to clarify that real quick because I heard heard some people talking about that. So here's how it breaks down. Um, Inlands um, are like they when they did genetic testing on them, inland carpets, McAfee were shown to be four point nine five percent divergent from the rest of the carpet python complex. So. Um, I think 5% was where their cutoff was to, you know, raise it to a full species. So that's why they remained a subspecies. I kind of tend to agree with Scott on the whole. <sighs> I, I just kind of <laughs> do, man. You know, I've been really like um, going through um, my Evernote notes and stuff of all these localities of carpets that I've just been accumulating for like the past 10 years from people posting on Facebook. And what I've started to do is like, you know, somebody says where the locality locale is from. I, uh, I would look it up on Google earth and I'm telling you, man, it's, it's kind of, 
you know, like you just take, so diamond pythons and coastal carpets. I mean, they integrate in the wild. You can't tell where one begins and one ends because it's not like on this side of the road, diamond pythons live. And on that side of the road, coastal carpets live. It's sort of like you have a coastal carpet. Then you have the Southern coastal carpets. Then when you start getting further down, like Coffs Harbor and stuff like that, you start to see this integrate zone where you have a mix of what would be a coastal and a diamond. And then, you know, it kind of like changes. And the farther south you get, it seems the darker they get until you get to regular diamond pythons. Um, you know, but that whole East coast, man, I, you know, I could see, I guess the, the, the Vergata to me, you know, I could see where they would be, um, you know, maybe the same species as, as, uh, the pop ones, um, mm-hmm. up in, you know, because at one point they were connected, you know, but the strange thing is, is that they would be closer to the Cape York because that's where mm-hmm. they, that was connected, you know? So, and there's that cutoff, you know, kind of around the, the, down the, the, I think it's the, what the Gulf of Carpentaria where like where there's that cutoff between the Darwins and then the East coast population of carpets. I'm sure right. there's probably carpets there. It's hard to get to probably nobody's really studied it or whatever. Um, but there's no, you know, records of carpets being in that area. Um, so bread lie have always been a full species. Mm-hmm. Um, and imbricata, I guess, because since they are as divergent as bread lie, um, that they would be a full species too. So, I mean, you don't, you're not going to get integrated zones of coastal carpets and imbricata. It's <laughs> not going to no, happen. No, no. It's, it's almost like if there can be some form of integrate they can't possibly be that far related it's almost like these things are still oscillating like in a couple million years who's to know what the east coast of australia is going to look like yeah i mean it seems that that you know um the more and more um you know uh, i guess global warming and all that kind of stuff uh, you know mm-hmm. uh, australia is is on its way towards you know becoming more and more arid um, rather than if you go back, you know, millions of years, it was it was more of a rainforest, you know, yeah. type of situation. And well, what does Nick say? It's like the jungle carpet is just the rainforest paint job of a carpet python for the area. So the northern jungles, as the jungle uh, as the jungle pops up in the north, the northern coastals become more and more northern jungle, and then as it recedes, there's more and more coastals. It's yeah, it's like it comes and it goes. So yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, I don't know. That's sort of I I, I kind of tend to I'm curious to read about it some more um, when you know Scott's book comes. Uh, but uh, <laughs> if Scott if Scott's book comes from Australia, and you don't finish it before we go to Australia. Are you going to bring Scott's book with us all the way back to Australia so you can read it on like the plane? Yes. And then, okay. <laughs> yes, yes, for sure. It's going to be like a field guide. Of, that know. poor book. It's <laughs> yeah, been yeah. all over the place. Yeah. It's been to Australia and back twice. Man, God damn. <laughs> so, so uh. yeah, so there's that situation. Um, speaking of carpet pythons, uh, kind of a, um, uh, I kind of knew about this for a while, but yeah, do we have to act surprised? Yeah. Um, okay. But Nick kind of put it out there as uh, him and Paul have been working on this melanistic. Um, what? <laughs> oh my God. Jungle carpet project. <laughs> um, and uh, it's actually pretty cool, but what it reminds me very, very much of is poison <laughs> Ivy. I mean, oh. it uh, <laughs> they, is very, go s- 
Oh, the panther? <laughs> no. They were jet black, man. <laughs> that Gorgeous was paint. animals. <laughs> that was paint. So black with their eyes black, almost like they were painted with the same paint as their scales. Because yes. they were. <laughs> so it's... Which is crazy. But yeah. um it does. It she it really does, especially because if you look at the adult male that Paul has, is it just me or when you can still see the saddles? Like it's almost like Yeah, you can. Yeah, the black of the saddle is somehow darker than the black of the rest of the body, which doesn't make any goddamn sense to me. But um, Poison Ivy kind of had that same thing going on. She had the same, like, the lips were still white. um, Yeah. And if you you could kind of— If you caught her her in the right light, you could see the pattern. Correct. Yes. Mm. And um, it's surprising that the offspring looks similar to what Nick's, you know, quote-unquote, het would be. So— yeah, it's uh it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to see that and 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 sort of have uh hope that that project is uh going to come to light. So um I was doing some research and mm-hmm. um so this year I'm breeding a poison ivy male to a an IJ that I got from Dave Kelly but was produced by Luke Snell and it's from his uh Kafka patch uh, pairing that he did. And um, I'll pretend to know what that means to go. Ooh. So I just kind of Googled it. Right. And when I uh-huh. when I Googled it, um, there was somebody that had offspring from the same clutch. So I click on the, the Facebook page and, you know, that little outline that I showed you shows you that the male that's sort of by the tree stump. Hold on. Yeah, I, I think I saw it. I was looking at it. Yeah. So see how it looks very similar to. Poison Ivy. So uh, yeah. I have this female that I was going to put a Poison Ivy baby too. So like, you know, one of the things that Nick was talking about when he's, to, you know, proving out these projects, the first year that I bred Poison Ivy, I bred her to a GQ uh, M pen because the, the idea was is that I wanted light, 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 as light as I could get um, so that there was no confusion Right. Um, if the when ba- the black comes in, yeah. Correct. So if the babies popped out and then all of a sudden, you know, there was one jet black baby in there. Well, I kind of have an idea that it has nothing to do with the <laughs> sire. It probably has to do with the, right. you know, the dam. Um, but this this animal in particular um, has some cool history um, because uh, Patch, who was the – so it's Patch and Kafka. So Kafka was this IJ – um, that Luke got directly from, um, I think his name was Pete, 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 um, the guy that uh, started the granite project. And this was a hundred percent het granite. Right. Okay. And, um, he also had this animal patch, which he produced in, I, th- I want to say it was, I think it was Oh eight that patch was produced. So long time, actually my first IJ was from that, from that pairing, but unfortunately that one passed away. But anyway, mm-hmm. so I was able to get back um one of its one of the offspring um because when he bred it with this male kafka which was 100 percent het for granite he bred it to this animal called mailer and uh mailer was this very unique uh um ij um and it seems that whatever was going on with her she's sort of like poison ivy but instead Mm -hmm. of being black She's chestnut. So it's like her <laughs> patterns kind of like fades away to a certain extent. And what's, what's strange is, is that, like I said, you know, now you're starting to see these two different 
you know, animals that sort of had the same look. So my one that I have now that came through Dave Kelly, um, very, very dark, very, very right. dark. Iridescence is crazy. It's almost, it's, it's, it's kind of nuts. I know mm -hmm. I'm, I'm boring you with all this eye job. I'm, 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 my <laughs> eyes have glazed over. Right. But um, <laughs> Mailer was produced by this guy. His name was, uh, what was his name? Steve uh, Markovich. Markovic. And um, it was from a Captive Hatched IJs that he did, uh, did this pairing in 2005. Um, but again, she just had this really, really unique look and um, just a really badass snake. So I'm hoping that we'll see, uh, who knows what the results will be this time when I'm putting a more melanistic um offspring uh you know or more melanistic ij um from you know from luke with the poison ivy separate bloodlines and stuff like that to see what what could happen so i'm pretty excited about that so yeah so you are breeding poison ivy line animals this year yes the 10 million dollar question my friend yes is Will you let any of them go? No. <laughs> because the thought, I, I, it's not proved out yet. It's not proved out. So what do I do? You know, if I can't sell it and put it Wait, out there. You, you don't have, you, like, how much room do you have? You're not going to have enough space. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm going to have to have my own poison ivy room. It's going to be a failure. <laughs> That's the poison ivy building. Yeah. God damn. Yeah. <laughs> you walk through there, there's like jet black carpet. Still hasn't been proven out yet. What do you mean? It's like, yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so, so there's, uh, there's that. Um, yeah. So uh, the only other thing that I had to hit on, and then we'll see what you got, is um, we, we took a trip, man. We took a trip. Oh, yeah. This, no, I don't want to hear about this. <laughs> it's annoying. Yeah, we took a trip to see some timbers, uh, some <sighs> timber rattlesnakes. And um, I'll tell you my, my quick story. Um, Go for it. So, by the way, this place that we went to is uh, very that's, close vicinity that's hurts, to you. That's what hurts more. That's what hurts more. <laughs> yes. Is that if I had just been like, hey, Dad, uh, I'm not going to work here next week, so you and they like walked away can i just go um, yeah i should have <laughs> yeah so um yeah i don't want to i don't want to disclose where where we were but you know where we were you never give <laughs> up this spot yeah yeah and plus it's not my spot so i can't really give it up but anyway um we go up to this spot and um you know we went up later we we went to this other place up in jim thorpe pa and we were kind of walking around looking for stuff and my feeling was it was just too hot um, yeah, and uh, you weren't really going to see anything. Um, the one guy, Dave, he did see, he did see one that that sort of went under a rock, and you know it wasn't a rock that we could move, and we're trying to dig it out, and it, it didn't really go well. So we kind of didn't want to just reach your hand in there and just kind of cramble around for it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say that that didn't happen, but <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> um, no, not quite like that. Uh, anyway, so we decided to go up to this other spot and we, we went up there and it was probably like five o'clock. And what was cool about this is like, it was kind of getting cool, um, uh, mm -hmm. because, um, it's, it, it was definitely high up in the, uh, in the mountains. Um, and, uh, you know, we're up there and, uh, actually Matt, Matt Minatola was the first 
to find one in the really? spot. Like, yeah, he, he had eyes like a hawk, man. He just all of a sudden, he's snake, you know, we run over. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, we were, uh, you know, super excited about seeing this one and, you know, took some pictures and whatnot. And we, I think in the very first one, we weren't able to get pictures because it kind of like went down into the rock. So, the you know, what was going on is very similar to what I would picture, like what's going on with diamond pythons. Mm-hmm. But... Um, you got these little, you know, at five o'clock in the afternoon, you have like these little shots of sun that are coming through the trees. And I don't know what's going on with you, but I imagine up in your area, it's getting as, I mean, if it's getting chilly here at night, I would imagine it's getting chilly up there at night. It's, it's one of those things where it gets, it's cold at night. I can see my breath when I leave in the morning to go to work. Yeah. By midday, it is hot as freaking hell yeah because the sun is just beating down on you yep and then right around this time like i'm looking right now i don't have my ac on because that'd be ridiculous but you almost feel like you should when you get home after work yeah yeah right now it's like 75 degrees outside i would say it probably dips down into what high 50s low 60s at night it's it's getting there It, it is getting there and um i you know i'm sitting here and i don't want to do anything until we get back from Australia. Right. But part of me is like, we're getting close. Cause it's like, yes, we, I had, I had such a crappy breeding season last year and I want to hit this one hard and I want to get everybody going. I have maybe two, three more feedings before everyone's going to shut down. Right. <sighs> it's, it's almost, it's almost like you get excited. Yes, for man. It. Yeah, yeah. Like you're getting ready for it. I used yeah. to I used to hate this time of year, but now it's like my favorite yep. time of year because usually it seems like for the rest of my life I'll probably be taking a trip to Australia. And <laughs> it's breeding season. You know, yeah. it's like we're coming well, into the swing of it and you can just feel it. It's in the air. There's something about the way that the the temperature changes. Um So the question now I have is if you're gonna keep going to Australia every year around October. Yeah. Does this mean we'll never go to another Tinley Park? No, 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 it doesn't. No, um, you could have you could have paused for dramatic emphasis for a little bit longer. Wait, because I can I, edit I, that I, now. All right, all right, go. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> Owen. Drum, add a drum roll, <laughs> dramatic piano music. Yeah. Like, yeah, let's really get into this. Yeah. Like, but yeah, it's one of those things where it's not enough time in a year, man. <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I kind of went off real quick, but you know, we, we were walking through this and that's kind of like, you, you get the idea that these rattlesnakes are coming out to soak up those last rays of that sun that are just shooting through the trees and these, you know, little spots on the rock where they can soak up as much of the sun as they can before they have to go, you know, down into their, their den or, or, um, you know, hiding under these rocks to try to maintain that heat throughout the night so that when some, some sort of prey, uh, comes running by, I think of, uh, you know, um, what's that up life in cold blood where they were doing yeah. the snakes and David Attenborough is sitting in a little blind and the mouse goes running past, or there's a chipmunk goes running past the, uh, the little tree and there's the timber just sitting there and boom, you know, it's just like, wow, yeah, this is, it almost looks exactly like where we were at. I mean, it's as soon as we got to this area, you could it just seemed like timber rattlesnake country. You know, it just mm-hmm. seemed like this is perfect timber rattlesnake habitat. So the the part of my story that just applies to me is um, 
you know, Matt found one, Dave found one, and me and Zach decide to go right up to the edge of this cliff. I mean, we're like looking over the edge of a cliff, man. You couldn't really tell because there were some trees in front of you, but like if you were like peer over, yeah, it's like woo, straight down. Um, so he sees a garter snake and it shoots by and it's okay. like this big garter snake and he's, he's yelling snake and we're like oh yeah what kind and he's like I think it was a garter because he was going to go grab it and he's like whoa maybe I shouldn't you yeah know? <laughs> it's just like a quick pause and then the snake got away so Zach's on the left and I'm on the right of, of this thing and I just turn around and there right on the edge of this cliff man is this big big rattlesnake just fully charged ready to go oh. buzzing like crazy sun beating down it was black did you not as good he, did you not hear it i did as soon as i turned around it started buzzing like you know bzz, you know and i'm just like what the hell i'm like and I, i'm yelling here here and i'm and they're like what what is here so their thought we're talking about a garter snake and you know because i was just hey, you so are excited. way too excited to hear. <laughs> yeah i couldn't yell. you are way too excited for a garter snake yeah, yeah i couldn't say the word snake you know, and they're like, oh, oh God, <laughs> you know what I mean? I was just like, I'm like here, over here, over here. And they're like, what, what, what's over there? Garter snake. What, what? So they come over and we're like trying to take pictures of this snake, but you have to like nearly hang off the side of this mountain in order to oh, try to God. get a picture of her. Cause she kind of like went into the crack and, oh man, but man, was Dude, that a pretty snake? Oh my timber, God. Timbers come in so many gorgeous colors. Yeah. And I, and I love the deep, dark black ones, they look so good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. her head was as black as black could be, and she was she was on fire. And that's the one that Dave was trying to take a picture mm-hmm. of her as he's hanging off the side there. And um, she just shot right at him, man. Like, right at him. She oh, my like, God. I, I'm assuming it was a female. I don't know. I could be wrong. But um, for the sake of the story, it was a girl. Um, okay. So, so we decided we saw we saw a total of five five. Um, so there was those three. We saw another one when we were walking around because now we're all pumped up, you know. And then we decided to leave and we're walking back. And I don't know. It didn't really dawn on me until we stumbled upon this one. And it was just sort of sitting there, and this one was pretty mm-hmm. big too. And just all of a sudden, you heard the rattle. And you're just like taken back, like, oh shit, where is it? And then, yeah, sure enough, that one was sitting right out too. This one couldn't retreat to the rock right away because the it was kind of like she was back against the rock, so there was like nowhere for her to go. So she's just straight up in that you know classic rattlesnake pose, ready to go. And it's sort of I don't know if we all said it or we all kind of understood it at the same time. Is like we're just kind of like bouncing around on these rocks. With like, just like stepping wherever. <laughs> it's like this is filled oh, with rattlesnakes, God. you know. Like, yeah. oh, okay, yep. Just let me shove my bare ankle down here and let me know how this goes. Yeah. yeah so, uh, so ultimately, uh, what we thought was going to be a skunk of a trip uh, turned out to be really, really, really awesome. So uh, it's a good time, for sure. So, but awesome. Um, one of these times, one of these times, I will have off on a day, and I can go. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. know now with the new job, so. <laughs> well, yeah. we'll figure it out. So. My thing is that we'll go and we'll be skunked, and then you guys will never want me to come back again. <laughs> nah, nah. I, I don't think you could be skunked in this spot. I think it's perfect uh, prime time. I know me and Zach, me and Zach were talking about going and camping there because you can camp there. It's kind of yeah. a camp there. And my thought would be and Zach kind of had the same idea is that 
you know, with these snakes thermoregulating the way they are, it probably would be best to catch them right in the early morning coming out the yeah. bask. You'll probably see a ton of them, you know, and then they kind of retreat in the heat of the day and then come back out, you know, at, right before the sun goes down again. But uh, yeah. I think if you get up there when the sun is just coming up, you're going you're gonna to see a ton of them. So, yeah. But all right, so bring them on. Uh, DJ, how you doing, man? Good. How you doing? We're doing all right. So welcome to Morelia Python Radio. Um, we obviously it's your first time here. Normally, what we start with is what got you into reptiles. Okay. Uh, well, first, I want to thank you guys for having me on. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. You guys are doing a great thing. This kind of replaces the magazines, you know, that I used to look forward to getting. They're crap now. <laughs> you know, so it's basically the new new uh, format. So awesome. awesome. Yeah. But yeah, um, what got me started, um, basically, you know, my story's kind of like, you know, everyone else. Um, I've always been interested in reptiles from a very young age. Um so when I was about, I guess, five or six years old, I was uh, swimming in the pool with my dad, and uh, a corn snake uh, kind of slithered by on the deck, on the pool deck. And, uh, you know, he jumped out and caught it, and, I, you know, I was just mesmerized by that, that snake, you know. It's a little baby, bright red colors, and uh, I just had to keep it. So uh, <laughs> I basically I emptied out a pickle jar, you know, a little quart pickle jar, put it in, put some holes in the lid, put them with some uh, some bark, and uh, put them in there. And then I realized that was too small for him, so I made my mom take me to uh, the food, uh, the grocery store to get a gallon, you know, those big gallon of pickles? They come in mm-hmm. a gallon jar. Mm-hmm. So uh, we got one of those. I made my family eat 10 pounds of pickles. And, uh, <laughs> And then I took that jar and put it on its side, put some holes in the lid, some bark, and uh, I kept the the corn snake in there for about a year. Okay. Uh, and then it actually died because I didn't I didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was feeding it a knolls, and uh, I think oh it died of dehydration. I didn't oh. give it enough water. I was just catching lizards and you know throwing them in there. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I guess uh, you know. Oh, go ahead. I mean, it's like, it's just like, I think everybody's got those stories of like, I have no, I had no idea what I was doing, but whatever. Yeah. You learn. Yeah. You know, but, but that's good because then you realize, you know, I really need to, you know, learn about this stuff if I'm going to do it right. Yeah, exactly. So that kind of influenced me to get, uh, start buying books. Um, I didn't like reading at that age, so my mom was kind of like, oh, well, he likes to read, you know, this reptile stuff. So she kind of encouraged it, even though she was afraid of snakes. Oh, she encouraged God. me to, you know, read the books and she would buy books and all that. But, uh, so finally, um, well, after that, I wanted it. I went to a local pet shop and I saw a ball python. And this was, uh, probably like 1992, 93. And, you know, before the ball python craze and all that. Right. Uh, so um, I ended up buying that ball python. You know, it's probably a wild caught. It had uh, a couple of scars from rat bites on its back. Uh, you know, it wasn't the best animal. <laughs> oh, it was a, it was a, a fine <laughs> <But> looker, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> but it was the only ball python in the store. It was really, I hadn't seen very many pythons at that point. You know, uh, I saw Burmese pythons, you know, the usual. Mm-hmm. And um, 
So I just really wanted that python, and I finally got him. Uh, after convincing my mother, you know, and I can't, he he just actually recently uh, passed away a couple of years oh, ago. Wow! So that snake was probably close to thirty years old when wow. it passed. Uh, that's that's so cool. You know, it's yeah. like that's that's where it should end up. It's like very rarely do you hear about them though. So yeah, and actually, you know, my um, I've come in and in and out of the hobby a couple times. And that's the only snake that I've kept. I kept the whole time, you know. I just had a, a spot for that snake. So. Yeah. Even though it was a ball python, and you know. Hey man, it's still cool. <laughs> yeah. Everybody, everybody, but, everybody's got that pet. It's like it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, and but that got me into pythons in general, okay. and and that's basically what I focus on now is just mostly pythons. Okay. You know something about pythons? I just like. There's just cool. That's, <laughs> like like yeah, anything that kind of drew you to it? Like was it just just that one pipe one that was it just that one ball python or was it like having him going to a show and seeing like a berm or something like that and that's what cemented it all? Well I guess what uh yeah, I failed to mention that I um after that I bought a couple cow kings. I got an albino nice. cow king. Um and then I got a ma- a female and then I got a male and I had plans to breed them. Mm-hmm. Um and I also would catch corn snakes, black racers, ringnecks, um, whatever you know, I could find. You know, I live in South Florida, so whatever I could catch, I would just bring. You know, I'd bring in and keep it for a while and let it go. So, cool. but all the and the colubrids, you know, um, something about pythons that's different than them. That just you know draws me to them. You know, their behaviors, their that's cool. Just everything about them. Yeah. So, uh, what's the collection look like now? Uh, basically now it's, um, you know, mostly pythons. I have some other stuff, basically animals that I've kind of lusted after, you know, seeing in books and magazines over the years, you know, I've, and now I'm at the point where I can actually get them. Um, I'm a little more established. I have a house, so, you know, I have, um, Jungle carpets, IJs, uh, Angolan pythons. Nice. Uh, the ring pythons, of course. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I have some other stuff I like, like gray band king snakes. I have some of those that I'll be producing in a couple of years. That's um, cool. Cool, man. And uh, hog island boas. I also like some of the small locality boas. But I, I don't have any of them yet. But uh, hmm. you know that might be in the future. I know a guy that has some Costa Rican bows. <laughs> nice plug, nice yeah. plug, Eric. That, oh, good yeah. job. Yeah, there you go, yeah. Warren. What happened to those? Well, it's, it's I mean, it's we had uh, Warren Booth on the show. What was it like two weeks ago? And uh, some of that we yeah. were talking to him about his uh, locality bows and. He's he like primarily focuses on um, Costa Rican um, bows and okay. man, some of them were just oh man, crazy, you know, really top notch. Yeah, they are cool. Yeah, they're, they're cool. I, I had a Colombian bow back in the day as well um, that I actually found crossing the street. Oh, shit. Um, what? Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess someone uh, you know someone's pet that got out and uh, yeah. Florida. It was, it was a nice Colombian, like the old school Colombians. 
Nothing like herping in Florida, man. Yeah, did you even like? (laughs) Were you just like, oh boy, and just pick it up and put it in the car and drive off, or was it just like, all right, whatever? Like Jesus. I mean, I was surprised, but you really can't be too surprised down here. Okay. (laughs) I've seen a a lot of weird stuff. Uh, I found a a red foot tortoise in my yard the other day. You know. Wait. uh, (laughs) So. Oh my God. Well, I mean, like that's. That's clearly not supposed to be there. Are these escaped pets or are these like somebody let it go or like, what are you, what are you thinking at this point? Um, a little bit of both, a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, yeah, at that time I I would suspect that the, um, Colombian may have, someone may have let it go because they're, they were pretty cheap at that time and they're almost disposable. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, thousands of them would come in a year, so gotcha. and, yeah. And then stuff like that um, has a good chance of surviving down here. You know, we don't we don't really go below forty degrees. You know? Right. So, so you must be tripping over. According to the news, you must be <laughs> tripping over Burmese pythons. Like, is it like can you get your mail without hitting four of them? I mean, like, what's up with that? Um. You know, well, I, I found one dead on the road the other day. It was about what? 12 feet long. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, they, they are, and they're close, you know, they're close to um, developments and people's houses. Someone near me recently lost uh, a couple of their dogs, and then another person lost five cats. Holy shit. So I suspect that might be a, a Burmese python or coyotes, you know. Holy crap. Wow. I didn't, yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they're out here. I mean, they're a little, it's a little blown out of proportion, you know, the, the hysteria over them. But, right, sure. You know, they're, they're out there. They've been out here for a while, though, you know, but just recently, people are, yeah. you know, it's on the news and all that. That's insane. That's really cool. <laughs> cool. Yeah. You know, it's great living down here, especially, you know, if you're into that. So. Do you uh you keep any reptiles outside, or are you strictly it needs to be indoors so it doesn't become one of those wandering across the street kind of guys? <laughs> well, uh, when I can, I do try to keep stuff outside. You know, if the uh, if they fall in line with our climate, uh, I used to breed chameleons, uh, veiled chameleons, uh, panther chameleons, oh wow, and carpet wow. chameleons. So I used to keep those in uh, like walking cages. You know, planted walking cages with uh, automated sprinklers, you know, you know, that whole setup. Sure. But chameleons are just so high maintenance that I just got out of them, you know. Stick to, <laughs> stick to the legless stuff. The more legs they have, the more maintenance they are. The more complicated, are. yeah. It's like, nah, dude. No kidding, man. <laughs> so true. Yeah, you, you, skip, you skip a day on, on caring for chameleons and they start going downhill, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, yeah, they don't, need to feed, they don't need to look at the snake for like a week. Yeah, it's fine. But, you know, the chameleon, it's constant. Like, nah, dude, no. I'm, yeah, it's too much. Uh, getting deliveries of crickets, you know, every week. Uh, raising colonies of roaches there's just so much to it you know? yeah. yeah no i'm good thank you <laughs> <laughs> not even, not even, yeah. i don't even want to raise rodents like you know yeah, no, so this, yeah so when i got back into the reptile stuff um i just i said i'm just gonna focus on snakes you know yeah cool, so cool. that's where i'm at now cool so 
I'm, I'm, I got to take a detour for a second. Um, you know, you mentioned um, IJs and that that one male you have, man. Holy shit, is that a nice snake? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> What's the story on that one? Um, well, he comes from a farm in Indonesia. So, um, nice. captive hatch, I guess you could call him. Yes. Mm-hmm. Holy shit, that's a nice uh, snake. Yeah, and I, um, and the fe- I have a female that compliments him pretty well. So that's going to, hopefully, that'll be the founders of, like, you know, what I want to be an orange line of IJs. Yeah. You know, that's a higher cool. orange. That nice burnt orange color. Sure. You know, I, I just want to. I want to focus on that. And then I have my other IJs that show more of the lavender and purple hues. Right. And that will be my other my other line, basically. So how many? Hopefully. How many do you have? You have a. Um. Well, I have uh, two adult pairs, and then I have um, a, a bunch of juveniles that I'm raising up. Okay. For mm-hmm. future, future breeding. You know, that's, so it's uh, still in the early uh, early stages. You know, I'm, I'll be going on with my second generation. Uh, you know, probably next year okay. or a year after that. Yeah, so it's still in its infancy. But yeah, but I can actually see. You know, I have an end goal. You know, with sure. Those. Yeah, that's what I love about the eye chase. You know, there's a you can uh, be more creative with them, have an actual end goal. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, the jungle carpets, you know, they're beautiful snakes, but jungles, you know, you can maybe produce striped jungles, um, you know, ivory, or just yellow, you know. Right. You, can, you, much... can do ye- you can do yellow and black, <laughs> or you can do yellow and black. And that's pretty much all we can do is, the, yeah, it's it, jungle. Yeah, there's is... not much left to the imagination, you know. Yeah, it, it's, I, and that's the thing is, it's like, it's almost like, they took jungles and bled out all the other colors except for yellow and black, and now you can't really have separate kind of lines and something fun to do. Where with IJ, if you want to go orange, if you want to go rust, if you want to go black, if you want to do this, you want to do that, you know. It's, exactly. Yeah. 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 It seems like you know, with the jungles, it's just been so selectively bred that you, There's you, left. <laughs> you used to have used to have a little bit more of a palette like you could you can still get it some people do it you know you have like the you know really really rich black and bright yellow neon yellow maybe more like a you know a, 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 like a muted yellow type of thing um yeah you know what i mean yeah. you could get tipping no tipping but with IJs, the palette is now three or four colors as opposed to just the two. If you, yeah, you know exactly, I mean? and and they and they possess more, um, you know, different pigments. You know, yeah. um, right. Those pigments are um, created by different, you know, different chemicals. Mm-hmm. In, you know, in their skin. So, you know, I guess they're called xanthophores. You know, and um, so with the with the IJs, I I think like. They have more, um, I guess, more variety in their pigmentation, which would lead to more, you know, more variability in uh, if you were to create uh, distinct lines. Sure. And then the other cool thing about yeah. them that other, I don't even think other carpets do it, is they fire up, man. You go in there at nighttime and you see exactly. a different snake. You're like, what the hell? <laughs> you know? Yeah, and me, I'm coming from chameleons, and yeah, I really appreciate that about them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it seems to be, you know, somewhat mood oriented. Yeah. You know, just like chameleons. 
But the thing about the, the, that one male that you were just mentioned, that orange one, is he doesn't really change color. He's almost, every time I look at him, he's pretty much the same. Really? That same fired up color. So I'm wondering if that's just, you know, that might be part of his, you know, his makeup is, I don't know if he's going to pass that on or not. Hmm. Yeah. Because I, I look at him all the time and he's pretty much the same. <laughs> I'm trying to and think. Now that you're saying that, I'm like running through my head, and I think the stuff that I have that's a higher orange doesn't have that. I think the stuff that I notice that changes color more often is sort of the lavendery stuff. You know what I mean? Anything? Yeah, yeah. Because my my lavender male, yeah, he does change a lot. Yeah, he'll go from really really light to like a chocolate kind of color. Yeah, that is cool. So, yeah. Cool. So maybe right. that's a locality thing or, or an individual uh, thing. Could be. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, it's the problem is is that th- there's no way of telling where these things all came from. It's just they just stamp it as, you know. Indonesia. Uh, yeah, Marie. Indonesia. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. so for I would not be surprised if you laid out. It's almost like if you laid out the skink next to the to the carpet, if the, if they would look similar, like it's almost like that. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. You mean the blue tongue skink? Well, the sure. one, but what I do know is that my the two animals I have, the, the orange one and the female that go with him, right, are probably from caught in the same area, you know, or their yeah. parents are caught in the same area. So they, are, so I'm breeding those two together, you know, cool. for that reason. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's not a far stretch, especially if you think about it. Where if they're walking and they grab two of them that are kind of old enough, they were like, cool, stick them in the same cage together, and their parents just kept having eggs. It's like. That would make sense. Yeah. To, so yeah. So yeah. Are, are you a fan more so of the Indonesian pythons than, uh, or is it just a mix? You just like them all? Indo Aussie kind of deal, or yeah, I like the Indo Australian stuff probably the most. Um, you know, the only African species I work with is uh, Angolans. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would say Indo Australian definitely. Cool. Okay. So I've I've I noticed your post of like breeding ring pythons and not many people have have done that that, that you know at least you know regularly to where you see them turning them out and um I don't know it just uh, it's hard to find people to even you know to talk about them so when I seen yeah. you hatched them I was like whoop we got to have him on because we need <laughs> to talk some ring pythons so I mean what made yeah, you get into I don't them? Know. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, um, oh, how I got into them. Um, well, when I, w- I used to work for an importer um, when I was in, uh, I guess, about middle school, like 96, 97 time. And um, they had a, we had a back room. Well, the, the importer was strictly reptiles. I'm sure a lot of people know that place. Yeah, um, sure. Yeah. It's, it's pretty big. Um, so they had a back room where they kept the most expensive animals and it was, uh, you know, temperature controlled and all that. And they had some ring pythons back there that they, uh, I believe they got them from Mark Bell. And, um, I was just fascinated by them, just seeing a python with that bright orange and black, you know, it looked like a, a colubrid, but it's a python. Sure. And I was just like, wow, wow. You know, that's unlike anything I'd seen. And back then they were about $400 and I couldn't afford that then. <laughs> And uh, my parents were going to buy it. Yeah. So I'm like, I got to put this off. You know, I'll put this, defer this dream till, you know, until later. So that's what got me fascinated in them. And then, uh, 
I bought mine in uh, 2010, and you know I've been breeding them since. So, know. is it from the same from Strictly that you got them, or did you get them from? Oh no, no, Keogan? Yeah, I um, yeah, I got them from Tom. Um, and uh, Tom got them from a man named uh, Dick Gordon. Sure. And I believe Dick Gorgon got them from, uh, what's his name? Edmund, uh, a guy named El Edmund uh, Salabuki. Okay. So Edmund was the guy who originally brought ring pythons into America. You know, oh. um, and they were actually smuggled in uh, back in the day, like in the 80s. Right. And um, so, yeah, the, and that's basically what we're working with in America is the animals that he brought in, um, that group of animals. So, so they're all pretty much related to that original group that was brought in. Huh. Interesting. I yeah, didn't know that. that's cool. And I'm not aware of any others that have come in to, uh, straight to America. You know, maybe a couple have come in through Europe. Right. But... They're, the founding group in America came from it, from Edmund. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I got to veer off one then, second. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, and then, then Tom took it a step further, and um, he, you know, he selectively bred them for, you know, 25 years or so, you know, by the time I got them. Yeah, I would say Tom's animals do have to seem, seem to have a little more contrast than some of the other people that you see breeding them, uh, like stuff that's coming from like stuff that he's worked with. I guess it's that selective breeding over and over and over again, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. I think it has to do with his, his breeding strategy, you know, what animals he holds back and, you know, he, he doesn't breed the aberrant animals. Um, he sticks straight with banded uh, banded. Yeah. The banded and the most crisp, the, yeah. you know, the crispest lines, uh, you know, you see some that have the blurry, the blurry lines between the the orange and the black. Right. You know. Right. Those will grow up to be, you know, have less contrast. Right. So yeah. And then aberrancy, the aberrant animals turn out, you know, muddier than the banded ones. Just it just seems that way. Hmm. Mm. Interesting. It is. It is more organized. Like the black, the orange. It's like that. I I kind of like that, and it's. The aberrants look really, really good, but I would want to almost see it to be be a ring python. Like, just grow up to be a ring python. That's all I want. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. And the aberrants are cool when they're babies, but then after, you know, <laughs> yeah. they're not so cool. Kind of yeah. lose their luster, yeah. I was going to say, yeah. when I was going to detour for a second, uh, you know, I, I, we've never talked to somebody that worked that strictly reptile. What was it like working for, you know, a reptile company that that big – I mean, <laughs> um, yeah, it was a great experience. You know, there's a lot of, you know, bad stories about them, uh, you know, just because of their sheer size. And, you sure. Know, they, they would get so many animals in. That of course, a lot of them die. Well, um, mm. a lot of animals die in shipping. You know, th these international shipments take weeks sometimes. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it was a great experience. I hatched a lot of animals. I would unpack orders and collect eggs. And right. just hatch out whatever eggs I could find. So I have yeah. experience hatching, like a lot of different animals, um, and also seeing stuff that people normally don't see. Um, I was there when uh, the whole bite ball python 
craze started, or I guess before the craze started, right. people were going and selecting. Back then it was like, oh, I'll, I'll pick this ball python because it has more gold in it, you know, sure. or a lighter, high yellow ball python. Right. And, um, yeah, so it was a lot of volume. And I, I mean, I wish I was... If I were more equipped then to to breeding, I would have access to a lot of cool stuff. You know, I just wasn't into breeding. I was in school, at, you know, at that point. I was younger. Right. Sure. I just didn't have the means, right. you know, to do that. But it was great. Um, you know, I saw a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, it was, it was a great experience. That's cool. Nice. I basically, I, I, I started working there for free, basically, uh, <laughs> like volunteering. <laughs> oh, oh god yeah, I, I volunteered there for a couple of years before i actually was paid like a paid employee wow but wow. yeah that's how much i loved it <laughs> yeah but i mean when you're 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 working with that many animals and that many different species and like from people that are in the bit i think you i don't know i would just think that would be like going to school for breeding reptiles you know well, I mean, in, hey, he had he probably has way more way more different species than half the other guys out there. It's like yeah. just by just by collecting the eggs, it's like yeah, that's half the bat half the battle is getting the eggs, but then you have to learn how to hatch the damn eggs. So I mean, that's experience too. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of experimentation with the eggs too. Cause, yeah, uh, you know, some of the eggs people didn't really know the parameters for, so I was just like. Well, let me think about, you know, where this animal comes from and, you know, just take a shot, you know. Yeah. How often did it pan out? Like, what what would you say would be the percentage of taking that shot? 50%, 75? Um, maybe 50 or so. Because yeah. uh, the thing is, the, the, the females are, first of all, you have to get good fertile eggs yeah. um, that haven't been damaged, you know. Um, sure. So that's half the battle. Mm-hmm. And then once you get them is having them go full term. Um, yeah. 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 So it's, it's a lot of hit and miss. And then that's 50% to get the babies. And then it's getting the babies to thrive after they've hatched, which is probably another uphill battle. It's like, yeah, I, yeah, I could see it either way. Yeah. And, and a lot of stuff I wasn't allowed to um, take home. So mm-hmm. it would just end up getting sold at strictly like, so my babies would get sold behind my back. Oh, and, and I, I never get any, I would never get any money for them. <laughs> Damn. Oh, damn. <laughs> I just got experience. Right. <laughs> I mean, experience is fun, but damn. You learned some shit, son. Shut up. Oh uh, yeah. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't let that slide now, nowadays. But oh, hell, was, hell you know, no. <laughs> when I was 12, 11 years old, I think it was okay. <laughs> you, you had no like to stand on. You were, you were 12. It's like, yeah, but still, Jesus. So all the twelve-year-olds that live in the uh, Pennsylvania area, hit up Owen or myself for. Uh... Yo, I need a cage cleaner. Like, you know, like, listen, I need a twelve-year-old that comes, cleans my shit, hatches my eggs, and leaves. Like, right. I'm fine with this. You, you know? get an intern. That's yeah, right. go to your local college and. Uh... You know, put a post up for intern. Intern wanted. I feel go. so weird about them coming into my house and cleaning my snakes. Yeah. You just <laughs> sit back with a cigar as Owen just, you know. Yeah. Do that. I'll be upstairs watching TV. Yeah. It's like, yeah, no. It's, if I had a facility, yeah. But at my own house, no, nah, I'll do it myself. Right. But, yeah. Uh, 
All right. So let's get back right. on track. Ring pythons. Yeah. Uh, you know, let's talk about like how you keep them, like, uh, you know, your caging, stuff like that. Let's, what's your approach? Okay, yeah. So I guess we'll, we'll start with the, the babies. Yeah. Um, so when they hatch out, I start them out in a six quart shoe box okay. uh, with a with paper towel for, for substrate, a moist hide with a sphagnum moss and a water bowl and just a simple setup like that. Um, I provide them with a little less heat than I would a carpet. You know, the hot spot's about 86, 87 degrees. Okay. Okay. Um, and the ambients are about 80 to maybe 82 okay. in the daytime. And they, they go down to maybe 79, 80 at night in, in the summer. And then in the winter, you know, I allow my room to go down to about 65. Okay. Um, okay. But I, I still provide the, the babies with you know, supplemental heat at night until they're about a year old. And then I just cut off the heat totally at night. Totally. Okay. Yeah. And then, um, so then they move up to, uh, you know, like a sweater box size with the, with the same setup. Okay. And then, uh, by the time they're about adults, uh, I, I keep some of the females in, uh, T8, you know, the animal plastic cages, Okay. Mm-hmm. which is a little bit larger than most people would use. But uh, my reasoning is they're they're pretty active. They're especially active for pythons. Yes. Um, they have the activity level of you know. Well, I haven't kept. Um, I guess like a king snake maybe or. Okay. Yes. Or something like that. Um, I haven't kept anything, but I, I mean, right now I have gray bands, and they're not that active. Right. But um, yeah, I'd say they're. They definitely have a higher metabolism. Um, so, yeah. And I also keep adults in um, the Freedom Breeder 90s. Okay. The, the FB90. Um, so, yeah. I, I wouldn't recommend keeping them in a V70. I mean, I see people doing that. Uh-huh. But uh, mm-hmm. I don't think it provides enough you know, space. space for them. So as adults, are you yeah. just using paper or you, then you change, change to like a substrate of some sort? Okay. Yeah. The adults, I, um, I put them on newsprint. Newsprint. Okay. So, yeah, just paper. so I, I, I moved from paper towels to uh, paper. Okay. When they're in the full size cage. And, um, when in the full, when, once they're adults, I provide them with, uh, a water tub that they can, uh, you know, they could use to you know, soak in or, you know, whatever they want. And okay. then I also provide them with another bowl for drinking water and a hide box. Okay. Mm. And spag yeah. the moss in the hide box still as adults? Oh, uh, no. I eliminate the, the moist hide once they're adults and the um, just the, the water, water dish is enough for them. Gotcha. Yeah. And they, they use the water. They, they go in it quite frequently. Um Basically, every time they shed, they'll use the water. Um, they'll use the water when they ovulate uh, or when they're building follicles. No kidding. And and they also like to mate in the water. No so shit. They'll copulate. <laughs> yeah, they, Staying in the water the whole time. Huh. Yeah. And an interesting thing I've noticed is that, um, so I'll drop the nighttime temp during breeding season uh, you know, to about mid-60s. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so the so the water also drops temperature, and the water will retain that cold you know temperature of the night uh-huh. longer than the the air will. 
So the females will actually sit in that cool water all day long, huh. you know, when they're at that certain stage of, right. you know, follicular development. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll temp gun them, and they'll be in, like, low 70s, 72 degrees, perfectly comfortable, you know? Huh. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's yeah. very cool. All right. See, that's an interesting thing about them. Uh, I suspect that they live, you know, their natural habitat, they're, they're adjacent to water, you know, so right. they probably frequent water, you know, a lot in their native habitat. Yeah, it seems like, um, you know, one of the things that I've learned with keeping them is that they're similar to white lips where like carpet mm-hmm. pythons or even like most other pythons, if you skip um, their water change or if they run out of water, they're going to be okay. But with ring pythons, that's that's a no-no. I mean, has that been your experience as well? <laughs> Just make sure that they have fresh water that they can drink. Definitely. Um, they definitely desiccate easier than other snakes, um, mm-hmm. being thin-skinned. And also, um, there are semi-fossorial snakes. They kind of live in the jungle uh, leaf litter. So it's pretty much always moist where they come from. So right, they're always right. in contact with some form of moisture on their skin. Right. So when you, when you take them and bring them to, uh, you know, you know, somewhere inside with a heater, it's, you know, totally different. And, uh, yeah, there's, they definitely need access to water. I, I pay attention to their water more than any other snake mm-hmm. for sure. Right. Cause they, they swim in the water, they drink the water every day. And that, you know, definitely important. Right. Being thin skinned. And you actually notice there's a few diagnostics to tell when they're not being properly hydrated. You know, the, they won't have a complete shed. You okay. know, they'll shed in pieces. Right. Yeah. And also, um, you can look closely at the scales, and when it's, you know, when your ring python is a little bit dehydrated, the scales will have a little wrinkle to them. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. each individual scale will have a wrinkle. Whereas a properly hydrated ring python, the scales will be plump and smooth, you know, and be nice and glossy. So it's very similar to so short tails, right? I mean, short yeah. tails have that same type of thing where their skin gets wrinkly when they're not hydrated. Yeah, and, and you know, they probably inhabit similar type of habitats, you know, just in different areas, I right. suspect. You know? Yeah. Huh. That makes sense. Because they say they find ring pythons, you know, in uh, palm oil fields, uh, rainforests, right. coconut plantations. You know, all right. these are all areas that have water all around them, you know, and, and moist ground. Sure. So, yeah. Huh. Yeah, I wouldn't, important. I wouldn't be surprised if they were kind of on the same lines of each other of almost like divergent evolution, like that's the both the same niche. So, yeah. 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 That's cool. Um, what about, <clears throat> do you give them any kind of perching or anything like that? Like, uh, do they... Would they use it? Would they use it? Do you ever notice yeah. that? Um, I've actually, I've never given them any perching. Um, I'm not sure if they would use it. Okay. Um... Yeah, they. I mean, to me, they seem mostly uh, terrestrial. I would agree. Yeah. Yeah, and you and if you you notice their their rostral scale, um, is a little pointed. You know, they have that little pointed nose. Right. It's kind of uh, conducive to, uh, you know, digging. 
Yep. Yeah, they're, you know, uh, rooting around and stuff. Foraging, yeah, rooting around through the leaf litter and, you know, foraging around in leaf litter and stuff. Okay. And and they're and you know when I give provide them a nest box, they really take to that neck nest, you know, the box with the sphagnum moss. They really get in there and cool. you know, dig around. So I, I feel like that's also an important part. It's providing them a nesting site. Right. Yeah. Um, I provide the nesting sites for them um, when I start breeding trials. Whereas like my uh, other pythons, I give them to the, I give them the nesting box after they ovulated. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Normally, but these I provide them with it. I feel like the nesting site actually, you know, gets the female going and, and you know, in the reproductive state. Maybe. Right. Gotcha. So it like almost uh, helps with the development of the follicles and pushes it along. Yeah, I, possibly. I feel like that. You know, the access to suitable nesting sites is, is an important part for them. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Okay. That's what I feel, you know, right. from my experience. Sure. What about uh, feeding? Uh, yeah, feeding. Um, well, when they're young, I feed them twice as much as I would, uh, say, a carpet python. Okay. Um, so babies are getting fed every three or four days. Um, and then I, I taper that off. By the time they're adults, um, they get fed basically. Uh, I don't have a set schedule. I just kind of make. I look at them and kind of maintain, you know, their their body size. Uh, females obviously get more after they've laid. Uh, you know, I kind of cycle feed them. So right now I'm feeding them heavily. Okay. Uh, in the winter they won't get fed much. Right. I might feed the female after I separate the male. Uh, I'll give her a meal. Around the you know around the time when she would ovulate, I'll give them a meal just to carry them through everything, and uh, and then I pick back up feeding you know after they leave. Mm-hmm. But I see I see a lot of obese ring pythons out there, and you know I was looking at some videos on YouTube, and oh. some of them look like blood pythons. Oh jeez, <laughs> <laughs> that's you know like my, gotta be easy. my my adults, even my females, you know they're about five feet, five and a half feet. Mm-hmm. They're like a large king snake, like a Florida king mm-hmm. snake. You know, they eat small rats, and you know that's good enough. But I've seen ones that could take jumbo rats, but I just think that's too big. And you don't see any wild pictures of them that big, you know? No. Yeah. Wow. So. Okay. Yeah, and you shouldn't see scale separation on them, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> when they're just normally hanging out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Jesus. That's crazy. Okay. And I think that's, that may be one of the issue, uh, problems people have with breeding them is just being overweight. Right. Being that they're such an active snake. And they're, when they court, their courtship is very, uh, you know, they're very active quarters. The male will spur the female and follow her all around. And they're basically mating and courting for, you know, for the whole time they're together. Hmm. So, yeah, so the male will actually, uh, you know, he'll he'll thin out a bit and need, you know, be, have to be fed and plumped up again for the next season. So is it similar to like, um, you know, other pythons? I'm thinking carpet pythons in particular, but like, you know, come breeding time, it's that he can smell that female and he's just cruising the cage constantly, or 
Is that like a cue to tell you it's uh, breeding time? Time to go. Yeah. Um. I, I've yeah, kind of, but I don't really totally go by that. Okay. Um, I'll just I'll introduce them and just see how things go. When I introduce them, I I'm there watching them. So, you know, I'll gauge their activity and see if they're ready to, you know, be introduced or not. Well, this is, um, yeah, that's something that scares the shit out of me because, you know, eventually <laughs> I'm going to go to breed these and I've heard nothing but horror stories about the introduction of these guys. So, like, what, walk us through that whole process. Yeah, how do you, how do you not, <laughs> how do you sleep at night? It's like, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is one of the harder part, uh, parts about them. Uh-huh. Uh, and it definitely stresses you out. Um, <laughs> this past season, I had a female try and kill my male. Um, oh, my God, no. I, I put them together. I turn around, and I hear a thump, thump, thump. And, uh, you know, she's totally wrapped around him like a screw. Uh, and just his head is sticking out at the top. Oh, God. <laughs> and he's like, you could hear him wheezing. So I had to I grab him, uncoiled her. Uh, and then, you know, luckily he didn't get too badly injured he just had a bite on his head okay. uh, that healed up he's like bro don't don't put me back there dude <laughs> but yeah it, it can be stressful that was one, one of my females my other female is a lot more mellow and uh she doesn't really i don't think she would i mean she could eat a male she could eat them but I, she's just less likely to do it so part of it is you know just the natural behavior of that individual okay uh, you know, a more mellow female would probably be less likely to attempt, you know, right. kill the male. Yeah. But also I also um, I'll take a male shed and introduce it into her cage just so she can smell it. Right. So she knows what, you know, what's coming next. Basically. Right. Okay. Or in, if she eats that, you know, no one really cares. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> all right, whatever. Or maybe that's a sign not to put the male in all there right, if she eats the her. shed. <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so basically, I'm telling her, hey, uh, there's males in the area now, and it's breeding season. So when the male comes out. by, yeah, don't <laughs> yeah. are you leaving so that? That, sit that there can help. For, uh, I was gonna say, are you gonna leave that shed in there for a couple of days, or is it hours, or what? Um, maybe a few hours. I'll put it in there. I'll I'll make sure she smells it okay. and she'll investigate it. Right. Uh, so I, I just make sure she investigates it, and then that's enough. Okay. Um, also, it can help to, before I do an introduction, I, I introduce the male to the female. Okay. Um, so before I introduce, sometimes I will just, you know, go in and see the female, give her a pet, uh, make sure she's not in a food response mode, uh-huh. and, you know, just gauge her, uh, her mood and then go from there. You know, if she has a food response reaction, I might, I might wait, you know, to sure. introduce them. Right. Yeah. So I should back up. Like, when do you start your, like, when does your breeding season start for these guys? Um, so I start cooling. Well, I kind of just naturally cool um, when we get cold fronts down here. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess around Thanksgiving time, I start, you know, making a conscious effort of, you know, making sure the temperatures are getting down to where they should be. And then around Christmas time, I start my introductions. Okay. 
We were between Christmas and New Year, or yeah, Christmas, New Year time. I'll do the introductions. Um, and then, yeah, and then a couple months later, you know, eggs. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, I get eggs. Yeah, well, that's always so the simple. Hope. Uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> boom. All right. Um, so now with the eggs, have you done maternal or do you do artificial? I've done. I've only done artificial with them. Okay. Um, they don't. They don't. Uh, they don't produce a, a nice coil like a, a carpet, you know, like a carpet would. Usually, they don't. At least the, the clutches I've gotten. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I'm not willing to experiment yet you know, <laughs> with that. <laughs> no, no, no. That, that's totally understandable. So, um, I mean, how big are the eggs? Do you think? I mean, like they. Ring babies, they're so tiny, like they're, yeah, they're tiny. tiny. I mean, are they the same size egg as like a carpet python? Or are we talking like chondro size? Yeah, more chondro size. Um, right. I had a clutch of Stimpsons this year, and they're they're only a little bit bigger than the Stimpsons. That's so um, weird because an adult ring is so much yeah. larger and than I, a stim. Yeah. And I start them out on extra small, you know, tailed pinkies, um, yeah. both of them, Stimpsons and rings. So, yeah, they start off feeding on the same size food. But the, like I said, the rings have a higher metabolism. You feed them more. They grow faster. Mm. Um, yeah, I think that's part of their survival strategy is since they're born so small, they have to grow a certain size to be uh, so, you know, they're not preyed on anymore. <laughs> To grow a certain size so they don't die. Yeah. So it's basically, um, so it's rapid growth. It's a it's a race to get to the safe side. <laughs> Hurry up as fast as humanly possible. So all right, um, how do you set up the eggs in the incubator? Um, see, I I use the uh, perlite with the the light diffuser on top. You know the mm-hmm. the the suspended method or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, a sim method. Whatever um, it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I do that with uh, two little ventilation holes. I, I plug one hole up, uh, and then on the last week or two weeks, I unplug the other hole to allow more circulation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I incubate them at about 87, 87, you know, 87 to 88 degrees. Yeah, normal. Uh, they, they usually take about sixty days. Okay. Um, yeah, sixty, sixty-three days. Maybe. So, are, like, do you take any kind of special care after they're born? I mean, like, because uh, with our buddy Matt, when he gets baby bloods and Borneos, he literally almost puts them in like water, like they're in soaked cages. Because if he doesn't, they dry out so quick. Do you kind of go that extra mile for the baby rings? Yeah, um, especially before their first shed. Right. You know, I I, I usually keep the, the paper towels dry, but um, before their first shed, I'll, I'll make a point of keeping it moist, and I'll spray the, the tub every day or so. Okay. Just to have that extra humidity because, um, you know, their skin is more permeable the, the younger they are. So when they're, when they're newborns, their skin is the most permeable it will be. Right. So they're, they're very prone to desiccation at that point. Okay. Uh, I also make sure the moist box stays moist 
and the water bowls are clean and full, you know, especially when they're young. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, and then with progressive sheds and as they age, their the skin permeability goes down a little bit and, you know, they're less susceptible to desiccate, but you still want to maintain a, you know, good humidity. I keep them around probably 70, 80% humidity mm -hmm. in the cage. You know, my reptile room is around 60%. Okay. And then inside the cage with the water bowls and all that, it elevates it, in, you know, to about 80, 70, 80. Wow. So it's really high Damn. humidity. Yeah. <laughs> but, but with that, the caveat is you've got to have good air circulation if you're going to do that as well, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. I have a, you know, HEPA filter and a fan running all the time. So there's not one corner of my room that doesn't have, you know, air circulation. Right. Is is mold something you got to worry about if you get it up that high? Um, you might get a little green mold, an aspergillus mold, but it's mm -hmm. not too harmful. And, and when I see that, uh, it's usually time to change paper. Yeah. Uh, and that usually only happens when, uh, you know, they're spilling their water bowls and <laughs> they, you know, they do that a lot. They're they're so active that they, you know. Right. They mess up stuff. <laughs> you get bits of moss in the water bowl. They yeah. flip things. Yeah, I got for sure. Yeah, sounds familiar. I want to back. Yeah. I want to backtrack for a second with the introduction thing. You know, when you're introducing them, is there like sure. signs to know that it's going to go well? Like, does it like the female's receptive? Uh, does she? Is she certain? Certain? Um, yeah. Well, um, so the male. Um, the males will usually be, begin courting immediately. Mm -hmm. um, so they'll start rubbing with the nose, um, aligning the body together, and then spurring. So basically, if you, you'll know in the beginning if the female's you know, somewhat receptive. She won't uh, flinch away from him. She'll be okay with him rubbing on her, uh, and then he'll start spurring her. And usually, you know, I'll watch that for a while. And, you know, and that usually is okay. I mean, I've heard instances where she'll still end up eating him after the introduction. You think everything's okay, and then a couple of days later, <laughs> oh God, no. there's a fat snake. You know, you think it had a huge ovulation, but it, it ate the male. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, my God. So yeah. are, are you leaving him in for... A couple of days? Or are you, you leaving them in until like? Well, how's that work? Are you taking them out when you're done watching them? Um, I leave them together. You know, as long as they look good together and everything's okay, I'll leave them in together for a month or more. Okay. Um. Yeah. I mean, um, you can tell when their follicles are built up, um, just by looking at them. But I still just, you know, I leave them together and. Uh, just let the whole process take its course, you know. Gotcha. The male, I'll leave last year, I, I mean, this past season, I even kept them into the point where the female started, uh, you know, doing nesting behavior and basking, and the male was there, and you know, he's separate from her. <laughs> he's like, what's going usually on? He, he, yeah, he, he'll be with her all the time until mm -hmm. that, you know, that point when she's, fertile, you know, when he knows she's carrying eggs. Are they both going into the water as she's building those follicles? Is that is that normal to see? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they'll they'll both get into that uh, water dish together and sit there for hours and hours. 
How, how big? How big's the dish? Are we talking like a cat litter pan or something like that? No, it's just a, um, a shoebox, you know, six okay. quart. Yeah, it's pretty small. Like they both fit in there tightly. Okay. But you know, they like it like that. So. Right. Yeah. Whatever. That's it's fine. Cool. All right. So yeah, that's the setup for my in like my T eights. It'll be a six quart water, di- you know, a pool and water dish and a high box on paper. So it's pretty simple, you know. I don't I don't use like loose substrate or anything. Um, I, I've experimented with different stuff, but the thing is, you, you have such high humidity. Um, you don't want uh, stuff that's going to trap, you know, mold spores and bacteria. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Now, do you feel that uh, that humidity is crucial to to keeping them? Yeah, because. Um, you know, unlike carpets, they can, uh, you know, they have a tougher skin and they, mm-hmm. and they're more adapted to, uh, dry periods. Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it is kind of crucial to them because just drinking water alone isn't going to satisfy the water needs. Right. At least I, I don't think it will. Um, right. And you can tell by the sheds, you know, um, if it's a little bit dry, the shed will come out patchy, and then you know you gotta make some adjustments. Um, well, I must be okay because my sheds are coming out in one piece. So okay, <laughs> I feel I feel, yeah, good. I feel good yeah, about that. That's now. that's okay. good. You've done well. Yeah, <laughs> right. the, breed, the breeding part of it, I'm still freaking nervous as hell. But you know, <laughs> we'll you're, see. you're you're yeah, it's, years um, away, yeah. years away from that. I mean, come on. You man. know when I. Uh, yeah, you put carpets together and it's no worries, you know. It's just yeah, like, that is true. well, I hope they breed, and that's the only worry is you get fertile <laughs> eggs. Yeah, the worst part is no eggs. Yeah, uh, with rings, it's like, well, at least the male's still alive another year. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No eggs, but he lived. Hooray! Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. All right. So, and I, I've had, I have had an instance with egg binding um, uh, that I suspect was from. Uh, Dehydration. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But um, that female. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say, how did that go? How did that end up? Good. Bad. Okay. Uh, well, the female's still fine. She's alive, uh, doing well. And um, so what happened was, I got a clutch, a small clutch, of like four fertile eggs, and then the rest were infertile. Mm. So, I pretty much knew from there because usually the infertiles will come out last. I knew that the, there was one retained uh, infertile uh, slug in there. So I just, you know, I just left it there. You know, some people would try and palpate it out, um, take it to the vet, you know, go crazy over it. And uh, I just left it. I soaked her for a while, uh, resumed normal feeding, and she actually passed it a year later. She passed the... Um, Huh. Along with um, yeah, she passed that slug along with a bunch of other slugs and one fertile egg. Yeah, with, without breeding, so she didn't even breed, and she passed that. So she either stored sperm or is you know, parthenogenic. Huh. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. That's pretty cool. So that, that was interesting. Yeah, that was interesting. And that snake and then, you know, hatched I, out. I was thinking of taking. Sorry. That snake hatched out. That's... Oh, no, no, it didn't, because um, I wasn't suspecting the clutch, so oh. I found that egg, 
it was pretty dried up. It had some, you know, blood vessels in it, but it was so dried up it, it just never came back. Huh. Okay. That sucks. So I don't know if it would have gone full term or not, but right. it was it looked fertile, you know. It was sure. shelled and fertile. Huh. So that's interesting. Yeah. So yeah, so so when people get a you know an egg bound snake, if it's just one ova and they know it's infertile, you know, sometimes it's better just to leave it, let it naturally pass. Let it do its thing, yeah. Right. Yeah, if you um there's an article by the Barkers they talk about that. Uh, you know, leaving the egg in or taking it out. Right. It's a whole different story if it's a fertile egg, you know, those will rot. Right. Yeah, become septic. So what would lead you to believe that it's infertile? Just just from feeling it, you know? Yeah. Or like Yeah, the um well, it, it was, um, there's other infertiles in the clutch, and generally the infertiles come at the end, and this was the last egg. Okay. So, um, right. and I could tell it was a little bit smaller, too. Gotcha. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, I, you know, it was a, it, there was a risk involved, you know, it was a risk leaving it there, but. Well, so, ring pythons seem to have, uh, <laughs> Some high Keep risk having, going yeah, on. A lot, of, a lot of risks, man. <laughs> cool, cool snakes, but you know, hey, man. Um, well, that's cool. Um, I was going to ask, like, what's the age frame uh, when you would start breeding? Yeah. Um, uh, for me, four or five years old. Okay. okay. I generally don't breed pythons under four years old. Makes sense. So, yeah. I think that's the. Good rule. I've actually uh, never bred a python at three years old. I've never even tried it. So, uh, yeah, four, four or five yeah. years old is, is good. A, bo- a boy, maybe, and that's a big maybe, but I wouldn't do yeah, anything yeah, about true. Yeah, I wouldn't do anything about that. I was going to ask, is there a lot of, is there, uh, you know, is, the, uh, is there sexual dimorphism going on between the male and female? Or are they sprouting um, the same size? Not, not that I've noticed. No. Um, okay. My males and females are pretty much the same size. They they get the same size meal. Okay. It's just the frequency the frequency is a little bit different for a reproductive female. You know, right. to replenish her fat. Mm-hmm. That's the only difference. Um, I actually I would actually recommend keeping them in, at a similar size. You know, to so, they, so it's not easier to eat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I, I the, my healthy. small female tried to eat a male that was bigger than her, so you know, oh, well, that's not a know, guarantee either. Wow! Help me help you, Jesus Christ! Now, oh, and do white lips do that? The white lips. I have had I have had a fe- I've had a female. I had a pair of blackface together, and this is back when I I used to house them in my bedroom back in my mom's place. And they were fine. Weeks. For weeks, they were fine. Mm. And then one night, I woke up because they were having at it, and it was loud enough to wake me up, banging around all over the glass, bouncing all over each other. I'm like, oh, my God. And, like, his eye was messed up. She had a gash below her neck. Like, I mean, like, I I spent the rest of the night putting snakes back together. Um, and <laughs> what's funny is right below them was my second pair, and they were just like, huh. Weird and like and they were fine. I never got any eggs out of anybody, but one pair wanted to murder each other. The other pair didn't care. They were cool. And I'm like, oh my god, it was nuts. So uh, yeah, I've I've heard about it in white lips. Um, Tom actually lost a male recently. 
because uh, of that. Uh, she's blackface. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. They seem very similar to me, species-wise. They look yeah, they are. the same. Yeah. They're very similar. You know, the, their, their heads are a little bit different. But yeah. They're, mm-hmm. and, they're, and their care is similar as well. Right. Yeah. yeah. Did they uh, entice you at all to, since you're, you know, seem to have the rings nailed down, they give the white lips a shot or? Or is it not yet? Um, <laughs> I was looking for black phase, but, oh. you know, white lips are a little, they're, you know, they're more. Uh, you and me both looking for black face. <laughs> I guess you could say, <laughs> I don't like the term aggressive, but they're more, uh, you know, defensive, I guess. Yeah. No, aggressive, aggressive fits. I mean, like some of them, <laughs> some of them are like, are, some of them are, they're more high strung. They will not, some of them are completely relaxed. Others, they're triggered the second you walk in the room and it's, it yeah. sometimes can be difficult, you know? Right. And I hear the same about rings. Like my, my rings are pretty mellow. I could, I could pick them up freehand and all that. Um, That's cool. But other people tell me how mean they are and they're, you know, they're evil snakes. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what the hell are you doing? It's like, yeah, I don't know. I would think so. Yeah, I can basically change. The, I could change their water, you know, right in front of them and not even worry about them going for me. That's yeah, cool. So. Huh. That's cool. <clears throat> All right. Um, we I don't know if it has to do with the, the lineage that I'm working with or, or just the way I handle them or I, just the individual animal. I kind of feel it's also if they're into a routine, um, they don't really care because they've seen you do this 10 million times. They know yeah. what you're doing is like it's it's one of the things like if if I tend to have a problem with a uh, – Let's say like a, a carpet comes at me while I'm changing waters. It's a new carpet that doesn't realize that I'm in this cage now for this purpose. You know, yeah, you just need to yeah. tell them it's they not figure it out. Time. Exactly. So. Yeah. And if you're if your movements are deliberate, you know, and everything you do is deliberate, and you're not flinching back and all that, then yeah, they they respond accordingly. You know, they know their their bluffs aren't going to scare you. Basically. Right. So, right. so like, I'm not going to waste my energy, you know, getting all huffed and, you know, getting all puffed up for nothing. And, you know, it's, yeah. they need to know that it's not, it's not food. And that's why it's like tapping them with a hook really helps or, you know, yeah. just, just, just telling them what's going on or to turn off the food trigger. And then that's it. You're going to have a lot less problems. So, yeah, exactly. Yep. How difficult are the neonates to get going? Um, they can be pretty, uh, frustrating. Um, they, uh, I basically tease feed them, uh, on frozen thawed pinks. Okay. So that's how I start them out by just tease feeding them. Um, and it's just a lot of teasing and finally they take, some of them take quicker than others. Some of them will take a few weeks, um, and the thing about them is they uh, deteriorate faster than other pythons. So mm-hmm. if they don't get food in them, they'll get skinny very quickly and, uh, and perish. Yeah. So, so I've tried, um, you know, other, I've tried fish. I hear fish work and that didn't work for me. Um, braining them, braining the pinkies is right. supposed to help or letting the pinky kind of get, uh, 
a little bit rotten almost, you know, letting yeah. it sit for a day. Okay. And then trying that. But for me, it's just a lot of uh, teeth feeding, and then finally they take. Um, yeah. Are you feeding them at a specific time of day? You know, like with chondros, feeding them during the day seems to. I found that um, feeding them in the morning works the best. Okay. Like after sunrise. Hmm. Um, that makes, so they, that they makes seem sense. to be somewhat crepuscular. Um, mm-hmm. They come out in the morning and in the evening. Okay. And then they'll look at, in the at midnight, you know, in the middle of the night, they'll be in their hide box, basically. Huh. Whereas, mm. you know, other snakes would be cruising around sometimes. Right. But, yeah. I've had most success, especially this past season, with, with morning feeding, definitely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is there any point where you would assist feed them? Uh, you know, do you get to a point, because you're saying they, they kind of perish pretty quick? Um, yeah, I've had to give them mouse tails or rat tails before, okay. um, just to get them, give them another week or two. Okay. And then um, I usually can get them over onto to pinks. But yeah, it's been, it, there's been some close ones. But then then I'll have some that just start on the first try. You know. I don't know if like yeah. once they get going, they're like now. But my 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 pair are for they're ferocious. I mean, they are just like they yeah. just eat all the time if they could. You know, it's like yeah, yeah. Once they get going, they they don't stop. And um, what I also do is, once they're feeding well, I'll just leave the the mouse in there. I won't even I won't tease feed them or anything. I'll just drop it in there, close the cage up, and and they'll find it on their own. Right. That way they don't have that that predator you know that predator prey response kind of thing. Right. They um, just go. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. Got they you. just go up. They just cruise up and eat it. You know, they don't even have to strike and coil it. Right. Mm-hmm. Is that for like and trying that, to t- take help with the breeding? <laughs> I think it it could help, you know, yeah. if you um, lessen their breeding response or their feeding response. Right. It just makes them a more mellow snake. Sure. I do the same with my carpet pythons. A lot of them, I just I'll throw the rat in there, and they'll just cruise up and eat it. Isn't that the best way, man? That's such a that's so great. When Definitely you just easy. Like, yeah, you just like put it in and just like uh, yep. Come back to you later. I hope that yeah. you don't smell that smell, that dreaded smell when you walk in your yeah. house. Oh, yeah. Like no. no. <laughs> the 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 find the smell smell like the, yeah. Find the, yeah. The wife's yeah, yelling absolutely. at you. What the hell, dude? It and you know what the problem is is that that has ruined that that ruins you because I, I'm working on my deck this weekend and and I guess a bird had died somewhere near like my backyard. <laughs> so I'm working. I'm working and all I can do is I'm like there's the death smell. Like what is what what smells like it, I'm like why what is dead out here? And it's right. just for the rest of the day I was just like I, I'm gonna find this and I'm gonna it, it's in my brain. Like yeah. So Yeah, name that smell. Exactly. <laughs> That's yeah. either it's like dead, a... it's dead animal smell. I know that smell. That's like, yeah. <laughs> Congrats. Uh, cool. Very cool. Yes, but once they once they're going, you don't have any of that. Uh, you know. You're done. They'll they'll basically eat whatever you see them. They they don't leave anything behind once they get going. That's great. All right. So how many years have you bred them? Yeah. Um, well, I've, let's see, three years in a row. Wow. I was, and I, 
Yeah. So, yeah, I've, each, every year I've bred them, I've been successful so far. That's um, awesome. That's awesome, man. Congrats. Yeah. That's and then cool. I had that unexpected clutch from, from the one female that, you know, one fertile and a right. bunch of duds. Did we? Did you say what the typical size of their clutch is? What is a typical egg count? Um, around a dozen. Do- okay. Uh, right. At least, at least for me, uh, my my females aren't huge. Um, I've heard them up to twenty before. Okay. But, okay. Uh, I don't expect much more from my females, being the size that they are. Right. Uh, yeah. Big eggs, small eggs, like compared to carpet pythons. There's in between like a carpet and a like a children's python. You know? Okay. Right. Okay. Huh. Somewhere in the middle there. It's yeah. Too small, you know, like king snake eggs kind of. Ugh. Okay. It's it's <laughs> too tiny for like such a such a valuable animal. Like yeah, nah, dude. I have a little bit more beef to you, please, Christ. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it seems like. It seems like ring pythons have sort of like, you know, they sort of like, they go, they come, they go. But it seems like over the past, I don't know, what would you say, like five to eight, maybe five, ten years, they seem to be pretty consistent in popularity. I mean, are you seeing the same thing or? Yeah, uh, well, I see them, popularity has grown since I got mine. Uh Um, When I got mine, they were cheaper than they are now. Um, they weren't as popular, I don't think, and uh, they've steadily gone up in price since then. And it's been, you know, nearly uh, nearly ten years. So, is it just? I mean, do you do you have any thoughts on why that is? Just the, because people are looking for that something different type of reptile, or, or yeah, or, or is it the is it the we haven't seen these in a while, so then everybody's like, oh, you're right, and then it's kind of like that fury. I, yeah, I think it's a little of both, um, okay. and then people are also—it's kind of like a natural progression when it comes to pythons. It, you know, you had a a ball python, you had a this that python, and then you're like, oh well, this is something different. Kind of like Angolans. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, they—they've definitely gained popularity. I wasn't as big on um, you know the social media stuff, so I wouldn't really know. You know how popular they were ten years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, outside of the price they demanded, but uh, yeah, they're definitely more popular, and a lot of people want them, but they're kind of apprehensive. They think they're too aggressive or they're ugly when they're adults. You know? Yeah. Which which isn't true at all. You know? Yeah. I, I, I enjoy the beauty of an adult just as much as a baby. It's yeah. just different. You know, I mean, everybody sees yeah. that orange and black and they're like, oh, my God, this is crazy. But, you know, uh, you hear it a lot like, oh, if they would stay that way into adulthood, I would like. But the, the oh, yeah. iridescence on them as adults is just they're beautiful, mm-hmm. man. I mean, really, really, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's I mean, they still have that orange. You know, some of the nicer ones have, they still have it. It's just not as bright. Mm-hmm. I know. So what right. are you? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. But I was going to say, in any other snake, that orange would be like, oh, wow, that's nice. Exactly. They're, they're comparing it to the bright orange baby. You know, of course it's not going to be that right. bright. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what are you specifically breeding for? Are you breeding along the lines of, like, nice banded animals, or do you do you have a different project? 
Yeah, um, I'm breeding, you know, nice banding. Um, I'm selecting, you know, good feeders. Um, okay. So, uh, so I'm not just choosing them based on appearance. I'm choosing them based on their personality and their willingness to feed, you know, early on. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones that start easier. So basically just kind of maintaining the the species, you know, in captivity and, and in the future, you know, gotcha. just breeding the healthiest animals, you know, not, not breeding the weaker ones. Sure. Although I really, I mean, there, I wouldn't say I've had a lot of weak animals. You know, some of them start later, but right. yeah, I haven't had any like deformities or anything like that. Okay. That's good. Cool. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, I do have an aberrant. I do have an aberrant one. Um, did that just pop up? Fem- or oh, no, no. This is an adult female that I actually bought, and okay. um, but she's thrown nothing but banded in. I, I pair her with a banded male, and she's thrown just banded babies so far. So I mean, I, I expect her to throw aberrants, but she just hasn't yet. Weird. We'll see. Yeah, well, there's been, there's some been some crazy ones over in Europe that. I mean, they've hatched out some yeah. really wild patterned uh, some ring pythons. Yeah, I, w- I would be interested in adding those genetics. Because um, <laughs> yeah. those yeah, are the I'll only genetics. That, those are the only genetics I see that are different than what we have in the states. Right. Yeah. You know. Right. So I mean, um, they're getting to the point where it's just a black head on a giant orange body. I mean, like they're, it's getting there in some of this stuff. I would like to produce like a solid black uh, yeah, ring python. I think that would be cool. We, um, where where were we? Uh, Tinley. We uh, we were walking around Tinley. Oh, I remember. And there that. was yes. there was an all there was an almost there was an all black ring python, and I did a double take because I thought it was a black faced white lip, and it's an all black ring python. I'm like, that's cool. I go back to the table. I'm talking to Eric. And I'm like, I should go back and buy it. On my way back to buy it, I see Chad Gray coming around the corner with the animal in the container. And I'm like, dude, I wanted that. He goes, you snooze, you lose. I'm like, it's mean. And then he's walking <laughs> off with it. And I'm, I'm like, well, at least I know where it is, you jerk. It's like, you know, right. it's like that. So yeah, I, I just I wonder how long that project would take, you know, to actually produce consistent solid babies. Yeah, yeah, it would probably take a long time. Twenty plus years. <laughs> probably. Uh, I suspect those animals would just throw a lot of you know regular banded and aberrant. You know, yeah. maybe probably more aberrant than anything. And then eventually you just get lucky and get like right there. There's the black one, and then have to start the cycle all over again with breeding it back to siblings or whatever the hell to get back to it. And that's yeah, that's a long haul project, but. Damn, yeah. it would be worth it. <laughs> and and without other genetics, you know, I, I I would take that maybe that black snake from the states, and then if I could get a, another one from um, there's a woman in uh, Scotland, Heather. Yes. And yes. If I could get something like from her, she has some nice black ones. Um, like they have more black banding than orange, basically. Right. Yeah. Take yeah. one of those and plug it into like the solid black one. I think that would be good. I hate that. I hate that Heather's in Scotland because every once in a while I forget that, and I'm like, "Oh, nice ring pythons." I'm a oh, son of a bitch, and like I can't do it. <laughs> and it's like you know, it's like it's like I really got to stop being friends with people who aren't like right where I can get at their animals. So yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, they she's produced some killer, killer, killer. Yeah. yeah. So. And I, I wonder when they got theirs, you know, over in Scotland, uh, if they maybe came from Germany or through the Germany porthole, <laughs> <laughs> the mysteries. <laughs> the mystery portal. Yeah, it's like you know, it's like how like every once in a while something pops up in Europe, and you're like, what the hell? Uh, it happens. Can you so. ship them outside of the U.S.? Um. Well, I don't. No one in the states can because they don't have the paperwork. Um, oh to shit! To legally do it, you need the the CITES, CITES papers. Right? Yeah. There is CITES? Because they, yes. Because they were originally came in here, uh, they were smuggled in. <laughs> right. Yeah, so to, make, to do it legally, you would have to, say, maybe buy a snake from Heather or someone in Germany or something, yeah. have it shipped here with papers, and then you would have papers on that one, and then you can in turn sell those right. offspring. Right. Now, do we think legally. that? do we think that more and more – because, I mean, we, we earlier this year we had the talk of how Australia was pushing to have the vote turn that all Australian-born animals were fruit of poisonous trees, that none of these animals should have ever been allowed. Is that going to start happening, you think, with certain other species where eventually it's going to be like, hey, you know, the American ring pythons were smuggled, but I think who's to say that these other ones weren't, you know? Yeah. Mm. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I think they've always been it's that way, one. Alan, you know. So, uh, it's so weird. Uh, yeah. It well, makes sense, you know. At least yeah. we have some cool stuff here. I mean, you always want what you can't have, you know, but See, I mean, to strengthen up the bloodlines would be good, but uh But how dangerous. It's the same thing with jungles, you know. Jungles yeah. are smuggled in and small yeah. group of them. Well, and that just adds a layer to ring pythons. I don't think everybody's anybody's ever thought about. I mean, if if everybody were to stop breeding ring pythons and they were to go away, we would be hosed. Yeah. That's it. We're yeah, done. it's actually that's like like I was saying. It's important to maintain the the breed um, or the species. Yeah. You know, maintain healthy because we're working with uh, you know not oh, the we... biggest gene pool. You know, the, <laughs> I think Tom started with about five animals. Right. Uh, and then the guy he got him from, who knows how, how many he had. Um, so, yeah. What we got is what we got. I mean, like, you know, it, it's, yeah. was it Dun, Dunn's pythons went away and they had to be reimported and stuff like that. If the rings go away, we probably can't get them back into the country. So, Jesus. Dang. Yeah, it, yeah, definitely. It's, it's, nuts. Yeah, it's important to maintain them even when they're they're not popular, you know. Right. Yeah. Keep breeding. So luckily, people like Tom and, and them they they kept breeding them even when the price went down to a hundred dollars. You know. God damn it! If only I had jumped on them when they were a hundred dollars. I know. I remember yeah, seeing I, them. I was actually out of the hobby then. I, I wasn't even in the hobby then. I was, you know, I went away to college and all that, and I missed out on all that. So. Yeah. But I heard they were down to like $100, $150. I remember seeing them at um, the NARBC in, when it was in Pennsylvania. And, yep. Uh, Couldn't give them away. They were like, a, I, I walked up to the table, and I've never seen them before. And I'm like, wow, mm -hmm. what is that? And I was like, that looks like a colubrid, not a, not a python. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And they're like, yeah, they're ring pythons. They're, and I thought 115 <laughs> bucks was expensive, you know. <laughs> Back then when I was a kid, you know, it's like, oh, man, that's uh, I only got 80 bucks, you know. Damn. 
but the good guy yeah. would have probably given you a trio for eighty dollars. I mean, like it's, <laughs> yeah. After a certain point, yeah. I want to say I thought it was Bob <laughs> Clark's table. I thought it was Bob Clark. I don't know. I could be wrong. I can't remember exactly who it was, but that's who I thought it was. But uh, oh, NARBC Philly. Why did you go away? There's not many people working. You know, Hamper was working with them. Uh, uh, Chris at Mystic, he he had some that he got from Donald Hamper, and um, yeah, Mark Bell had you know was working with them. And so there's not a lot of people out there. But... Yeah, what would you say? How many clutches a year in the U.S. are produced? What maybe two, three, four? Ooh. Well, I know this past year. Um, Maybe four. Wow. Wow. I, I personally know of, uh, oh, three. Three? I know of three. I'm just guessing there might be another. Right. Yeah, there's always yeah. that person that. Uh, there's always that one person who just. Not on social like, media. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've been breeding these for years. That, that was me. That, that used to be me. You know, I. Right. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't on social media. I would just sell my stuff on Kingsnake or, uh, or locally or whatever. Oh, those um, were the days where you could just hide behind your screen name and not have to do anything. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I used to, um, when I started, I was selling, like, the chameleons and stuff I would sell to uh, pet shops and stuff because I would hatch out, like, 30 chameleons. I'm like, all right, I got to sell all these things. And, uh, <laughs> Get out of here. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, you know, and then King Snake came along in, like, 2000 or so, and, you know, I got on there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but King Snake is kind of dead now. So. Yeah. It is. It's one of those things where it's, like, I get messages from people on Kingsnake about my ads, and I'm like, wow, you're still there. Good for you. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's, <laughs> good on you. It's like, it, but it's just, it, it's hard to sell something sometimes. It's just, it's getting that way. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Do you Definitely do like in, local in, shows in your area in Florida? Um, I don't anymore. I used to. Yeah. Mm. I used to do um, some of the local shows. And, but I just haven't had the. Uh, first of all, I don't want to go through the the hassle of doing the shows and possibly bringing home something that I don't want. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. And uh, and now, like with the social media and all that, um, I haven't needed to as much. So. Right. That's but right. I suspect, I, you know, if I scale up more, then I might have a surplus of animals that I would need to sell at a show. You know. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, you know, the ring pythons and stuff like that in that price range uh, might not sell as well at the shows, you know? Yeah. What yeah, is, it's one is, of those, if you're going to do it, you got to do it like in an ARBC or something big where it's yeah. like people, the guy shows up with a table full of blackheads and everybody's like, I've been looking for blackheads and they buy one or two. Right. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. What is the going, What like what are they going for now? Um... Well, I see people, like, trying to get a lot for them. Um, uh-huh. I've been selling them, you know, for, like, six, $700 um, for, for babies. Okay. Up to yearlings. I, I sell the yearlings for, you know, around seven. Okay. But I've seen people asking a thousand, twelve hundred dollars $1,200, you know, for animals that aren't as nice. Hmm. So. Right. Hey. It, it, 
we're in that stage where people are, you know, uh, it's getting to that point, I feel, you know. Well, the price is kind of just going to max out and level out, and then it might later on drop down, you know. Right. But that's the thing is, like, you're selling it for, you're selling yours for about six, seven, and they're going consistently. And other people yeah. are selling them for maybe 12 or for, for, for a grand or for 12. They might go, but they have to sit on them longer. So it all depends on where you're comfortable and where you feel. And, you know, if they want to sit on them, fine, knock yourself out. You're, you're, you're sending them out. You're done. It's over. You're, yeah. So right. if they yeah, want to get know. rid of it, they can drop it. And that's fine. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, maybe the price will go up more. Maybe I'll be asking more in but, the coming years, but I don't, I don't think so. I don't know. No. We'll see. Yeah, it's kind of, it's. I mean, if there's only four clutches, you kind of can ask whatever you want. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's kind of like. Yeah, and then the popularity like, grows um, as well. Right. So yeah. the, the demand goes up, supply is kind of limited, and yeah. What would you say as far as on a scale of 1 to 10, the difficulty of breeding these guys? Um, Probably hmm. for you, it's, a, you know, <laughs> what are you talking yeah, about? That's They're a easy. tough one because I look at breeding as just a result of uh, proper care, you know, and mm-hmm. when, you, when, you're, when you're tuned into that, to that level, breeding just hap- you know, kind of just happens. Right, but of course, you, with these rings, you have there's some planning you have to do. Right, you know, um, and you have to be more vigilant over them. Um, they're not as forgiving, yeah, as carpets and stuff like that. So on a scale of one to ten, um, I put a carpet at like a I don't know, a three. Right. Uh, yeah. And uh, a ring would be a six or seven. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I guess Bowens would I be definitely a 10. for more advanced. <laughs> yeah, I guess a Bowens yeah. would be ten. Yeah. Um. So they're a little more yeah. advanced, right? It's basically. Yeah, I guess they're more advanced. Um, I mean, yeah, I'd say they're more advanced. Okay. Um, but I'm coming from keeping chameleons and stuff, so. They're kind of like a relief. It's kind of easy, right? <laughs> Less yeah. advanced than a chameleon, which is awesome. It's like, yeah, I got it. So, yeah, I don't everything's know. got a scale. Dude, I don't know how people do that. I mean, you really must have a passion for those lizards Dude, and stuff because I, I just couldn't do it, man. <laughs> I tried. Same, I failed. They're the same people <laughs> who, like, missed orchids and, like, cross-pollinate them with cotton swabs. It's like... <laughs> What are you doing? It's like I need to make sure the flowers are. That's my brother. I do not have man. the patience yeah. for that. I, I do that with um. I grow tropical fruit trees, and I, I do that cross pollinating stuff. With no, God, no! I don't know. <laughs> You're a plant. Be a plant. It's a go. Bro, no. Okay, fine. Die. I don't care. So yeah, it's it's one of those things. You got to have patience for certain types of animals, but and I do not. It's like how. I can't handle leopard ge- geckos because I don't want to touch an animal that comes apart. Like, you know, it shouldn't, yeah. the, tail, the tail shouldn't come off of it. So I don't want to touch it. So Yeah, and I used to keep and breed uh, day geckos mm. as well. And though, like you're saying, they fall apart if you don't hold them the right uh-huh. way. Right. <laughs> Their yeah. skin just separates. 
It's yeah. moving. I grab it. Now I got two pieces. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, God. It's like, yeah, no. So, yeah, coming from lizards and stuff, man, I did that for a while. Snake, you know, the snakes are, you know. Easy. It's it's a good, uh, you know, I, I could skip days. Um, I can add more and more snakes, and it's not like, you know, it's not like I'm doing that much more work. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Whereas lizards, you know, I mean, you have a couple females and they produce a couple chameleons produce you got over a hundred babies in in the course of a couple months, you know, that you have to feed thousands and thousands of crickets to <sighs> No, no. <laughs> Just no. God. So you said uh you said you're also working with some jungle carpets. Are you working with a specific line or do you more for yeah, um, I got some jungles from um, Will Leary before he stopped. Oh. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Yeah, so I got... Um, you got the good stuff. I got his yeah. CVR and uh, Larry Black. And, oh, shit. Yeah. I might have to hit but you I up for like some of them. The, <laughs> I'm look, actually looking for a good male to put with my Larry Black female. Um, so kind of... I kind of have the jungles on the back burner right now. Okay. Till I find a male that I'm willing to, you know, pair them with. Nice. He's got to be good, yeah. Hey, Black yeah. Line. Yeah, it's, it, that was Will's stuff. Cool. Huh. I would yeah, love... Yeah, the Larry Black one is real nice. Like, she's super clean. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. She's the one I have on my... my uh... Top of your Facebook page? Yeah, yeah, that's her. Yeah. I gotcha. Cover. Sweet. Yeah. So yeah, jungles and jungles. I'm not as inspired by them as much. Like they're beautiful snakes. Right. Right. It's just like I don't. They don't really get my wheels turning when I, when I think about breeding them. You know? Right. It's if you're gonna breed it, it's just breeding it because of the bloodlines that are attached to the animals. It's you know gotta gotta keep yeah. the Larry black line stuff going. But no, you're not. We're not building projects off these things. I get it. Yeah, you're just maintaining. Yeah. You're just yeah. maintaining lines. You're not really, yeah. Right. Okay. That's cool. So you're working with jungles and you're working with IJs and Angolans, and right? Angolan. Right. Yeah. Okay. And how do you like, have you bred them yet? Yeah, I've bred the Angolans a couple times. Nice. Um, Pretty straight ahead. Those are really cool. I, I like those. Um the difference about them, at least for me, is they need a cooler temperature. You know, the nighttime drop. But I've had them go down to like high fifties. Oh wow! Uh, Jesus. Yeah, because where they come from, it, they they experience pretty extreme temperatures. Uh, you know, close to freezing temperatures. Uh, and I let them get down pretty cold, and they they'll ball up real tight at night. Um, and then yeah. Because this, this past year, I don't think I got them cold enough. Okay. No, so I, my, they, I had a lot of copulation, but no, no, no eggs. No eggs. Mm. Okay. But but that could be because I bred her the year before. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, they're they're more of a you know, biannual breeder. I feel. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. I kind of almost like that more because then I'm not getting flooded with the same shit every year. You know, if, yeah, I can take I my time. That, and I think most pythons are that way by nature, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's usually the work you put into them years in advance that uh, has the most effect on the uh, the offspring, you know. 
Yeah. It's what you do a couple of years in advance, you know. It seems that uh, I, at least even even for what I've bred so far, taking that year off and going by, you know, every couple of years seems to, like that one year I took the whole year off, I didn't breed anything. And then the next mm-hmm. year I had like 15 clutches of carpets, just like, <laughs> <laughs> I was going crazy, yeah, you know, just, I think it's just when you because. get healthier clutches. Yeah. 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 Uh, for sure. I, like I gave my IJ female, one of my, the female that produced this year, I gave her two years off and she gave me a, you know, a perfect clutch of 16 eggs. Right. Yeah. And they, and the animals, you know, you, you don't run risks that you do by breeding every year. So, you know, it's like, I'm thinking more and more that I'm going to start having a select group that goes one year and a select group that goes the next year. Yeah. Because yeah. I, more often than not, I'm holding on to animals until after they turn a year old anyway, and then they start selling. So why get more of them in the pipe if the other ones are still here? So, yeah, it's yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. Is there a species of pipe? I'm, I'm sort of cutting into Owen's closing questions. But you are. Is there a species of python that you haven't worked with that you would want to work with? Um... Yeah, well, of course, Bolins. Um, okay. So, you know, that's a, like, that That might be in the future for me. I'm already thinking about the cages, you know, custom caging um, nice. and all that stuff. Um, I also want to try um, maybe housing some, some pythons outdoors, you know, experimenting with that. Okay. Um, that is cool. Yeah. Probably a carpet python, maybe dot di- I mean, I know it's been done with diamonds. Diamonds, yeah. Yeah. Python. Yeah, Tom Crutchfield was doing it. Um, mm-hmm. I wonder how Bolins would be outside. Now my idea for those would was a uh an type of enclosure that allowed them outdoor access but also inside, you know, they could go outside. And inside. But also Yeah. That would be cool. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, if you're gonna do so, it, man, you're at the spot to do, do it. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually think it might be a little too warm down here, actually. Um, yeah, but it could still it could still be be done, I think. But I think we're slightly too warm. But with the indoor outdoor kind of hybrid setup, I think it would. I still work. I still stand by the. I mean, I'm not saying that they don't have to get cold, but I really think with them is their nest box is key. To mm. me, like any time that Ari's ever shown us pictures or any, like their nest box, their net, like how they nest, the temperature, right. it's it's almost like it reminds me of monitors. Like mm-hmm. the nest has to be point on. If it's not point on, they ain't laying. Sure. Because nope. the breeding is easy. Yeah. They, they, you know, they, they lock up with no issues. You know, people have gotten slugs or whatever, but it's just right to that ovulation. And for whatever reason... They just don't go. And it just seems yeah. to me that if you somehow, I've talked to Keith about this, is like, you know, if you got like a, 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 a cage that was underneath where it could, if it was like just dark, filled with all kind of dirt and it was humid and like, you know yeah. what I mean? And kept a constant temperature. I think, I think that's, it's, if I was doing Boland's pythons, that's what I would shoot for. It, it, it's almost like if TJ makes the indoor outdoor thing, if he just fills the, floor of the indoor thing which is layers upon layers upon layers of leaf litter and let them do it themselves they'll figure it out right but like i would just go nuts with that shit it'd be it would be like having an alligator nest 
inside the freaking Bolin's cage. Like, there you go. Figure it out. <laughs> right. Like, you know, that's, yeah, that's what I would end up doing. Right. Yeah, the nesting could be a, could be a factor, like I was saying with the ring pythons. Like, yeah. The, the females take to that nesting box. It's like they, they've been waiting for it, you know, mm-hmm. even before they're gravid. Right. And they explore it. They, they kind of wallow it out to the shape they want. Uh, right. And then, the, yeah. And then a lot of breeding is also done in that same nesting site right. as well. Yeah. That could be a thing. I, I mean, I'm not, I don't know much about birds, but I believe some birds uh, need a proper nest to even lay eggs, you know? Or to, yeah. Sure. Yeah. That's huge yeah. with them. I I'm pretty sure. Like, there's some, I forget what it is. It's one of those Planet Earth shows, but that, like, the, the male has to build the nest and, like, the female won't even go near it if it doesn't look a certain way. And, like, they just, like, no thanks. And, you know, so. Yeah, spends all all season trying to put together this nest and accumulating like all these, I don't know, goofy twigs. Has anyone (laughs) has their nesting behavior been observed in the wild? Like um, actual nest? Yeah, Ari's dug them up. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he's uh, you know if you and like a lot of times he'll he would well he's talked about it on the show multiple times but you know like. They kind of like you'll find all kinds of sheds and stuff by like they they, they go into uh, couscous barrows I think it is right, right yeah. yeah 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 yep and um, yeah so they so they have their smell all over the place you know mm-hmm. their, their yeah territory yeah yeah and that's also I, I, something I kind of like the nesting box and their hide box I don't I don't clean those every time I you know I sanitize the cage I, I'll leave those with urates on them. You know, just so the snake. It's almost like familiar furniture. It's almost like you, you know, you've you changed the cage. Uh, I can think of of all pythons that I've worked with, and it's like as soon as you change the cage, they just like urate in the corner. Oh, yeah. Of course, because it doesn't smell right. Yeah. And I start to think like maybe they want that. Like maybe that's mm-hmm. like telling them that that's is their their spot. You know and. Because, and then we clean yeah. it out, and then they do it again. You're like, God damn it! <laughs> you know? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely could be. You know, there's they 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 get a lot out of scent, a lot of cues, you know, from their environment. Yeah. Right. Cool. All right, Owen. I don't know. You want to hit the? Uh... Yeah, we can hit the. We can hit the uh, questions. I mean, is there another type of reptile you'd want to keep? Other than a Bolins, if you had uh, any option, whether it be money or law? Um, I've all, always had an interest in uh, Eastern Indigos. Oh. Um, oh, but the yeah. thing is, uh, with all the restrictions and laws down here, like uh, you, you can't really freely breed them. You, you can't, you're not allowed to collect uh, you know, wild specimens. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I would have to be involved with like a university program or something like that to actually, you know, I, I wouldn't be able to do it so much privately. I don't think to the extent I want. Yeah, uh, it's, but yeah, it's I've always been interested in. Yeah, in, uh, yeah. definitely. It's, it's the same up here with that kind of stuff. So I just I'm like I'll stay over here away from that. I don't want to give I don't want to give the bow commission an excuse to come visit. So um, exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> All right. So if you could go uh, herping anywhere in the world, where would you want to go and what would you be hoping to find? 
Uh, I'd probably go to um, um, Papua New Guinea or uh, or like um, you know the Arc the Bismarck Archipelago Islands, you know, off the northeast coast there, New Britain, New Ireland, those islands where basically ring pythons are found. And I, I think it would be cool to actually go there to see if there is locality variations mm-hmm. um, among them. You know, if if aberrant animals are common in this place or, you know, stuff right. like that. Just right. basically see them in their natural state. Right. Um, right. In their wild form, basically. That's awesome. That would be pretty badass. <laughs> yeah, it would be. Probably stumble upon some cool scrubs too while you're there. Yeah, you wander <laughs> through everything. Yeah, and I also like to go to the Caribbean islands. Um, and like the insular boas there are, are cool. I've been there a few times. Um, always had an interest in them. I don't have much of an interest in keeping them, but I like to find them. You know? Right. And yeah. being that the, the islands aren't too far from me, it's it's you know an hour trip to the Bahamas. That's oh, cool. Nice. Have you found yeah, them yeah. already? Have you herped there? Yeah, um, yeah, like uh, strigulatus, um, bimini boas. Um, I, w- I wanted to find tropodophis, you know, the dwarf boas, but I still haven't been able to find them. I've had friends find them before and send me pictures, but I personally haven't found right. any yet. But they're such, they're so small and cryptic that it's like, I don't really even think they have a. Um, much of a place in the, you know, in the reptile trade. Right. But they're, they're, they're cool snakes uh, nonetheless. Cool. That is awesome. Yeah. Well, dude, uh, if you want to toss out any contact information or any way that uh, anybody can get a hold of you or a website, you know, chuck it out there so anybody can, if they want to grab ring pythons or talk shop with you. Yeah, um, so people can uh, contact me on Facebook Messenger mm-hmm. or um, email me at CaptiveCam, C-A-P-T-I-V-E-C-H-A-M, like chameleon, at bellsouth.net. Okay. And, uh, cool. yeah, we could talk reptiles or if they're interested in anything. Or, if you, you know, you can message me on Facebook, and I'm glad to talk about herps, you know, anytime. Sweet. Cool. I'm actually going to work. I'm working on a website, you know, because now that the social media stuff <laughs> is not allowing sales. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that, that's, that'll that's be the something. next thing. Yeah. It's, it's a blessing and a curse to have the website. So it's, <laughs> uh, I'm really bad at updating mine. So, you know, that's, yeah, that's my problem. I, I'm not too into the computer stuff side of it. I, I'd rather just, play with my animals exactly <laughs> exactly we all need staffs to clean the stuff and to do the computer stuff and then we can just play with the animals it's all we want right so yeah exactly cool but all right man uh this has been awesome thanks for coming on and chatting with us and uh you know delving into rings with us yeah man all right yeah thank you guys Absolutely. So we'll, my pleasure. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll catch up with you again and uh, yeah, talk to us some more about some ring pythons later on. All right, great. You guys have a good night. You too, man. Yeah, you too, man. All right. All right, thanks. See yep, see you. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Cool. Ring pythons. Pretty awesome. 
makes me why do you, makes me why happy do you, I have my parents. Why do you do this to me? Like, you know, <laughs> I'm like, I can't spend any money. I just the new job isn't going to pay me till the end of the month. So I have to like I'm going off a of snake money right now. And you're like, ring Python, ring Python, ring Python. I'm like, you son of a bitch. I'll make you deal. <laughs> like, there better not be a white lip show next week. I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Next week's just me and you. Okay, cool. Yeah. So. Go on. What was the deal? <laughs> if you produce um, rough scales. Oh, you bastard. And I produce <laughs> ring pythons. We will trade oh, you know, the swap. Yes. It's, it's almost going to be like a prisoner exchange. We have to put them in deli cups and slide them across right. the table. <laughs> Here you go, sir. Halfway, I'll be like, no, grab my roughies and run. Like it's... These aren't uh, the same. There's no bumps the right. on these. No. I don't care. Smooth. Yeah. yeah it's, um, but no, that's cool. Oh, the uh, uh, you and I got to talk because um, I don't know what you want to do with your half of the bread line. <laughs> Like, oh Jesus Christ! They're all shedding, and I'm like, should I send these to Eric? It's oh like, dear, oh dear. Or, or am I like feeding these? Like I, I, I don't care either way. But it's like, yeah. Mm, I guess we got to talk about that. I don't know. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> other people are like, I want pictures of all 22 babies. I'm like, Eleven of them are Eric's. Just go away. <laughs> it's like, uh, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Uh, yeah. I want to send out a uh, real quick uh, congrats to uh, Reptile and Chill guys. Uh, they had their year anniversary. Uh, <laughs> such little toddlers they are, you know, in it's this so podcast adorable. world. How it's cute. So cute. It's One so year. Cute. <laughs> so proud of you. <laughs> why, why didn't we know about this? We could have had a cake delivered with a little number one candle. <laughs> Damn it. Sparkly candle for them. Yes. <laughs> Blow it out. Don't get your beard so close. We'll make sure there's no flies. I promise. Yeah. No <laughs> flies at all. No <laughs> flies anywhere near the cake. I'm working at the deck and there's a fly coming around every couple of times. And every time it moves around, I'm like, die, die. And all I can think of is, bah. I know. I'm trying. I'm trying to work a circular saw. And I'm like, I'm going to cut off my finger because yeah. I'm laughing too hard. Oh, my God. Yeah. I know those guys. Huh. Those guys I love one those year. guys. So funny. One year, God. I know that went quick, right? So. Yeah, but what? What did we do for our one year? Did we just panic? I mean, like I don't. I I think we were surprised that we made it a year. <laughs> <laughs> surprised we made it this far, and yeah. it doesn't stop. <laughs> Here we still are. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, next week is going to be me and you. I think we're going to probably reveal the results of the calendar contest and probably all just right. hang out and talk yeah, we and do that. shit and all that kind of stuff. Catch up on shit. So, right. So that's that. Um, <clears throat> and um, for Murray Python Radio, check out our website, MurrayPythonRadio.net. If you want to contact us, info at MurrayPythonRadio.com is our email. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and now we also have the Swag Store. Yes. Uh, so go check that out. Um, you can bounce that off. It's on the website. It's on our website. Uh, you can follow the podcast on uh, Blog Talk um, if you want. Uh, it's also on iTunes, Stitcher, all those other things. Uh, you can get it there. Uh, as far as Northwest Carpet Fest, that is coming up uh, at the end of the month. That is on September 28th, and that is in Seattle, Washington, uh, at Douglas Taylor's spot. 
cool. And so reach out. Uh, they got a Facebook page, uh, a group page, so you can check it out. Northwest Carpet Fest. I think it's called the new one, um, and uh, you can get updates over there. And we'll keep you posted as we get closer about what uh, what those guys are doing. Um, but okay. you can reach out to uh, Douglas or Amy, and they'll be able to uh, to help you out. As far as myself, ebmorelia.com, uh, uh, and my email is eric at ebmorelia.com. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, YouTube. Uh, yeah. Cool. That's all I got. Uh, for me, it is rogue-reptiles.com. Uh, you can also follow me on Facebook at Rogue Reptiles, or you can look me up on Instagram at Rogue underscore Reptiles. And yeah, uh, I will be at Oaks this Saturday, but I'm only going to go in, cause trouble, get my rodents, leave. So if you want to have enough. anything delivered, yeah, yeah, if you want to have anything delivered, let me know. Um, I promised Joe and Melissa I would sign a carpet python for them if they brought it. Um, I don't think they're gonna. But you know, um, Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Joe uh, texted me this, or it could have been Melissa. They they texted me this weekend. They're like, "Are you gonna be at Oaks?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'll be there, making appearances, signing carpet pythons. You know what I usually do." And uh, they were like, "Please do this," and I'm like, "Well, if you have one, I will." So okay, um, we'll see if they do. I really don't want to sign an animal, so I really kind of hope that they don't call me out on this. All right, but yeah. Fair enough. Anyway, um, but yeah, that's uh, that's all we got for everybody tonight. So we'll say thank you all for listening, and we'll catch you all back here next week for some more Morelia Python Radio. Good night. Good night.